I will call the uh, Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, August the 10th, 2015 to order. And I'll let the record show the the meeting started at two minutes after five. Uh, that takes us to adoption of the agenda. Are there any additions or deletions that need to be made? Uh, yeah. um, Ms. Alexoff, is there one for uh, the minutes for July 8th? Uh, no, Your Worship, I just did not give you an updated agenda. I apologize. So I just updated it for you. Okay, so that is on the, uh, the actual agenda item already. Yes, that's correct. Your Worship, in the uh, Department of Additions, uh, I would promise to keep this short. Uh, I wonder if Council could find time to discuss very quickly the matter of an AUMA re resolution that Council could present at the fall conference uh, coming up. So uh, just a, a short item on uh, an AUMA resolution. Can we save that for Wednesday, Governments? And I, I can save it for Wednesday. The deadline for submissions was May 30th. Oh, so I'm fashionably early for next year or very late for this year. All right. Okay. We won't need it on the, on the Wednesday one. Then. Okay. Sometimes they'll have an emergent resolution. So we won't, uh, won't put that on the agenda and we probably won't clutter uh, the Governance and Priorities Committee on uh, either on Wednesday. Okay, any other additions or deletions? Hearing none, I'll accept a motion to adopt the agenda as presented. Um, Mr. Ford, all in favor of Councillor Ford's motion? Passed. Uh, that takes us to the adoption of minutes. Uh, there's a set of minutes for July 6, 2015, regular meeting of the Council. Are there any additions, deletions, or clarifications required there? There are none. I'll take a motion to accept them as presented. I would uh, put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, to accept the July 6th minutes uh, as presented. All in favor of Councillor Needham's motion? Um, if, if I actually do. I apologize. Um, if I just may ask Council to perhaps um, adopt the other minutes later during the meeting. I just realized that I have made an error and I would like to resubmit them. Uh, okay. Uh, we'll uh, do that towards the end. We didn't accept them at the next meeting. Yeah, we'll... we'll um, uh, I, belie I believe the minutes are correct, but I just realized that I did not put the motion numbers in them. Well, uh, let's do that at the next meeting. Just hold it. Hold it to the next meeting and just put these agenda items in the next meeting. Okay. We need a motion, uh, uh, Ms. Bench, to uh, table these to the next meeting. Sorry, which ones are they? The July Minutes. 8th and July 20th, both of them? Well, perhaps you can clarify this for me because July 8th was before the July 20th. July 20th has the motions, but the 8th was before the 20th. There's no motions on the 8th. Yeah. It's a governance and priorities committee meeting. Are there no motions? No. Oh, well, then we're good to go. I apologize for the confusion. Okay. So that takes us back to item uh, 3.2, uh, minutes of the July 8, 2015 governance and priorities committee meeting. Uh, those are generally straightforward. Uh, are there any uh, corrections that need to be made, clarifications, etc.? 
so I'm, I'm not sure what the discussion just was, but so July 8 should have, there are some motions of the agenda and so on, just accepting agenda and so forth, I think. Maybe I've got the wrong. July 8th, governance and priorities. But those aren't, do they have to have a number? Yeah, okay, three. I'll move uh, acceptance of the minutes of the July 8th Governance and Priorities Committee meeting. Councillor Benke, were you going to make a comment? Or no, I was just going to make the motion. Okay. Well, <laughs> Deputy Mayor Manzer uh, beat you to the punch, so uh, all in favor of Deputy Mayor Manzer's uh, motion? Passed. Uh, that now takes us to the minutes of July 20th, 2015, Special Meeting of Council. Uh, uh, are there any uh, additions or deletions or clarifications required there? Not that I saw. I'd put a motion on the table, Your Worship, to accept them as presented. All in favor of Councillor Brinke's motion? Passed. Are there any uh, public hearings, Ms. Alexa? There are none. Uh, that takes us to presentations and... Uh, we have a presentation from KCL Consulting regarding uh, uh, assessments. Kevin Lawrence of uh, KCL Consulting will make a presentation on uh, tax assessments. Is that correct? Or, or property assessments? What's the proper word? Term. Kevin? Yeah, please, Kevin. On this presentation, Kevin, if you could just read your name into the uh, record using the microphone. Do you want to use that uh, PowerPoint thing or go through all that?
I feel like I can just start. Try to do that. Hello, I'm uh, Kevin Lawrence. I'm with KCL Consulting. I'm your property assessor. And I was asked to come and give a bit of an overview of, uh, of the property assessment uh, process. Uh, let me figure out how this works. There we go. So uh, we're a private uh, property assessment consulting firm. Uh, we contract to municipalities like yours around the, around the province to, uh, to provide the, the property assessment service. Uh, what we uh, what we do there is uh, use a mass appraisal process to uh, within the province's guidelines, regulations, and legislation <clears throat> to provide a fair and equitable assessment to your uh, to your ratepayers for their property, uh, which forms the basis of your uh, your municipal financing. Uh, it's important that we provide a fair and equitable. Uh, Valuation for those properties. It's also important that it's a stable uh, valuation for your purposes, that you're not, uh, your tax base isn't at risk. Um, in order to do that, uh, of course, we have to follow the, the province's regulations and legislation, and they require us to do a mass appraisal. They require us to meet a, a number of uh, statistical measures as far as our assessment results. Uh, versus the marketplace. Um, they also have uh, various audits and, and what have you of, of our processes, the methods we use, and so on. I think you're all familiar with the taxation process, so I don't necessarily need to get into that, but once that assessment is established and audited by the province and turned over to the municipality, you then, of course, determine what your mill rate will be, what's required to uh, fulfill your, your financing uh, requirements. So again, again, it's it's critical that the assessment be fair, it be equitable amongst the the groups of properties as uh, as the marketplace is uh, <coughs> determined on our on our assessment. Our assessments are conducted on an annual basis. Uh, every year, the valuation date would be July 1st, the year prior to your tax notices or the tax year. The physical uh, status of the property would be December 31st of that year prior to your tax year. There's uh, three main approaches that, uh, that are used in our process. Direct sales comparison, of course, collects uh, and compares the sales of uh, <clears throat> each property with the, the assessment. Uh, the cost approach is approach where we uh, determine the cost of replacing replacing a building, depreciate it for its age and condition, and so on. Add the market value, uh, determine a value for that property, and then again apply that direct sales comparison uh, approach to to meet the province's standards as far as assessment to sales go. There's also the income approach, which uh, we would 
evaluate the property's potential to generate income. That's leasehold income, not business income. And uh, determine a value for those uh, sorts of properties. Uh, a good example would be an apartment building or a, a uh, hotel, motel, strip mall, those sorts of properties that would typically be leased out to multi-tenant uh, situations. So all those uh, methods are, are required in our, in our analysis or in our assessment. And we use them in various parts or components of your, uh, of your municipality. Assessors have to be accredited uh, through the province. Uh, there's various prof professional designations, whether it be AMAA, uh, CAE, or AACI. Uh, we have to uh, have that sort of designation in order to uh, be your appointed assessor. <coughs> What's assessed? Parcel of land, of course, is assessed. Any improvement or structure on that land is part of the assessment. Uh, that said, uh, we may or may not include every component, fencing or paving or whatnot, may not always be part of the model. It would have to, in the marketplace, we would have to justify or we'd have to be able to quantify a value for that particular component. But generally speaking, everything right from excavation to completion on a building is assessable at, at its stage of completion as of course as the and of course the land is accessible. What's not assessed? Personal possessions, public infrastructure, minerals, uh, any uh, Métis or Indian Reserve uh, property, that sort of thing. There's a number of exempt properties as well. Uh, hospitals, schools, Nonprofit organizations that qualify through the municipality. I guess back to our the general approach. We use a mass appraisal approach. Uh, we also implement an inspection cycle on an annual basis. Uh, it's part of uh, of any assessment service where we would assess a particular percentage of your, of your municipality's properties each year. Uh, on you know, in this case, I think it's 20, 25 percent of. Uh, of the properties we have to do a physical review of. Uh, that plus any permits that might be taken out, any questions that arise, sales investigations, uh, repair inquiries. So in any given year, probably 30 to 40 percent of your municipality is physically reinspected. Um, in the past few years, uh, since we came on with Peace River, we've uh, implemented a data enhancement project which required us to go out and and reconfirm the data that was on the record, new photos. Uh, one of the other things that was significant was the, the non-res or commercial properties had to be re, uh, reassessed. The cost manual that was used in the past was no longer supported by the province. So we had to convert to a more uh, universally used and supported manual, the Marshall Swift uh, cost manual. So that's caused, uh, you know, some changes in the assessment, but in the end, it's it's in a in an attempt to make it fair and equitable and more uniform uh, application of the of the process. Uh, so within your municipality, there would be certain types of properties. Of course, there's residential properties, there's commercial, non-residential properties, municipal properties. There's also regulated assessments. 
which the province carries out for the most part on uh, linear property, which would be power lines, pipelines, uh, those sorts of things, uh, telecommunication systems and so on. The local assessor, or us, we would conduct uh, assessments on regulated property with machinery and equipment used in processing uh, farmland, if there's any, there's very little in the town of Peace River, but those sorts of things would fall into the local assessor's plate where the linear, that power power line gas, gas and uh, oil facilities, those sorts of things would fall onto the, uh, the province's side of the ledger. We spoke about the, uh, the valuation and the condition dates of the property assessment. Data collection, I suppose, uh, when we're doing these reinspections or a new property, we would look, you know, we would use building permits and, and physical uh, reinspections, uh, subdivision plans, and so on to formulate the, the record or the basis for the assessments. We also uh, implement a, a mail out uh, review or a request for information on vacancy rates, rental rates, expenses, capitalization rates, and so on. So that would uh, all be part of the assessment process throughout a, any given year. Uh, we maintain all this data in a, in a CAMA system, which it allows us to import all the land titles information, the property header information from your municipality system, allows us to uh, maintain all the physical data of the property, as well as conduct uh, market analysis on, on the various groups of properties and the sales that take place within those groups. Upon finishing our, our assessment process, we have to submit the data and the, to the province, the data and the results to the province where they audit it to determine if it's, uh, if it's met, met their uh, legislation, their regulations. Uh, they'll look at the processing. They'll look at the, uh, the data on the record. They'll look at the results, how the sales and assessment ratios uh, match up or turned out uh, before they'll ever allow it to be passed off to your municipality. So we have to go through quite an extensive audit before uh, passing off an assessment to your to your municipality. Uh, that pass-off is legislated for February 28th. Typically we try to be complete sooner than that, but once we've passed it over to your municipality, of course you'll prepare an assessment role, which on any given year you produce and have uh, available for your ratepayers to to review and browse to see that there is an equity to determine if a property down the street is fair in relation to theirs and so on. There's a period of inquiry after you've mailed your notices where uh, ratepayers are encouraged to call us and uh, review their assessment if they have questions about it, concerns about it, uh, maybe some information we didn't know those sorts of things can be sorted through and, and worked out at that point. Uh, further to that, if, if we can't meet, you know, we can't come to some resolution or we can't satisfy the ratepayer's concerns, of course, there's uh, the option to appeal it. There's an appeal process. They file a complaint. There's a, a local review board that would hear uh, residential and farmland complaints. There's a composite review board, which will here, uh, non-res commercial properties or maybe multiple residential properties. Uh, and that, again, is this process of 
exchanging information, determining, uh, you know, that the information on our record is accurate, and, and from there, determining what uh, what a fair and equitable assessment would have been for that property. So, generally speaking, that in a nutshell is the the process. Uh, I suppose if you have questions for us, for me, that's fire away. Um, just one, on the 25%. So does that mean if there's 100 houses in town, that you pick 25 here and there and everywhere, or you divide the town into, I don't know, some kind of areas, and you do this area this year and... If there's five areas, you do one a year sort of thing? You know, or? Typically, your municipality would be broken into neighborhoods or, or uh, subdivisions, if you like, and we'll go through them in a, in a, in a sequence, say, well, this year's you know, Rossdale, this year's something else, or southeast. But you know, on top of that, we'll have inspections all throughout the community from repair inquiries, from permits, from questions we had that maybe a sale came through and the assessments don't seem to jive. So we end up assessing or inspecting properties all throughout the community, but we will try and assign a, a bulk of, of them in one neighborhood on for just for that annual curbside review, just to get a new photo, make sure that, the, you know, it looks the same as it did last year or the last time. If it's had significant changes or innovations or questions, of course, we do a further, further inspection and, and find out what's changed. Kevin, do you have any uh, uh, files before the provincial assessors board, or, or have you been able to resolve uh, issues locally? Well, I think there's some appeals here. Yeah. Are, are, do you know how many there are? No, I, eight maybe. I okay. think between eight and uh, ten, somewhere in there. I and think some of them of have. Which, though, are Yes. Or multiples which yes. we've spoken to they appealed before we and, spoke to. And at those appeals, are you do you represent us or who rep or is our CAO represent us? How what's the process for Oh well, I would represent you as the assessor for that property. Okay, so and, and so when are these scheduled? Do you do you They're not scheduled yet. They would be within hundred and fifty days of your mailing. They'll be uh, at the end of October and beginning of November is when they're gonna be here because we have to get a municipal government board member. So that scheduling and, and these hearing or these reviews are held in this chamber, or that's correct. Okay. They are open to the public. To tell us who they are. I suppose. I, we do 40 other municipalities around the province. Oh, okay. I mean, and locally, we do the right. County do Northern Lights, the MD of Peace, uh, MD of Fairview, Town of Fairview, Town of Grimshaw, Town of Manning, Irwin, Slave Lake. I mean, we have right. 35 others going south to as far south as High River. Right. So you have a good uh, uh, a good representation that you take care of here in northwestern Alberta. So it's, it's not as if we're the only town in northwestern Alberta that you 
handle in terms of property assessments and the rest of your businesses in south of Calgary or anything like that? No, no. We're, yeah. we're spread out all over the province. Right. Okay. Anybody else have questions? Um, Ms. Benke? The different neighborhoods, you said you kind of break it out on a five, was it a five-year cycle or a four-year? Twenty-five. Per, sorry, twenty-five percent of the yeah. properties. So, are, the, are those neighborhoods like? Is that list or order of those neighborhoods? Is that public information, or how would somebody know if their neighborhood's coming up for an actual review? Well, annually, your municipality would give notice that we're going to inspect any number of properties, possibly all of the properties in the community. Uh, we would go through the neighborhood. Uh, you may identify the neighborhoods. I don't know. Every municipality will promote it differently. We'll we'll let your administration know what we're you know where our focus is going to be but it's going to be throughout the entire municipality in, by the end of it with permits and other other inspections or questions about other neighborhoods so okay. but yeah we would let administration know what you know what that percentage is or what neighborhoods intended to be uh, our starting point okay is that do we advertise that or do we? We do because uh, sometimes we get concerned citizens phoning saying there's somebody standing on my sidewalk <laughs> looking at my property. <laughs> so we do advertise it and uh, they do have letters from us identifying them. Oh, okay. And uh, you advertise that in the Record Gazette? Uh, it'll be on our website and uh, I believe we've put it in the Record Gazette as well. Okay. Are there any Questions regarding tax property assessment, should I say, from the gallery that anybody would like to ask? Okay. Well, thank you, Mr. Lawrence. Uh, sure, no problem. I hope it was uh, somewhat helpful. Yeah. All right. Thank Good you. Um, that takes us to... Uh, Bylaws 6.1 is bylaw 1968, road closure bylaw. And who is going to speak to that? Ms. Modi. I didn't Good know, evening. I didn't know you dealt with road closure bylaws. Oh, this is my second. Okay. I thought Mr. Smith was our expert on road closures. So. <laughs> Well, this is a permanent road closure. That's right. So before you is bylaw 1968, which would be to close a portion of 90th Street within the town. Uh, today we are here to ask council to set a public hearing date. So this is a road closure that happens under section 22 of the MGA, which sets out a process where we have to set a bylaw or public hearing date and have that public hearing held before we send the road closure request to Alberta Transportation because they are the ones that have final authority. Well, they have partial authority. They have to, we have to have their approval before the town can close the road and create title to the land. So ultimately, that's what we're proposing to do is to create title to a portion of 90th Street. So you can see uh, towards the back of the package, we have some sketches that uh, show the area that we're proposing to close. So it's adjacent to private land and also on the other side adjacent to 90th Street, which is a built road within the town, but the road right-of-way that we have is substantially wider than the actual road itself that we use today. 
So we're proposing to close a portion of it to create ti- to create title so that the town might sell that land to a private landowner. Okay. So to get the ball rolling in terms of the formal process, we need to have a public hearing, and we have a recommendation that council sets the public hearing for September 8th, which is your next scheduled council meeting. In the meantime, we will be communicating the road closure to neighboring landowners and advertising it publicly as required by the MGA. And you have a photo of it as well at the Marine, so that's good. We do. Uh, any questions for Ms. Modi? This is just to set a, peer, a hearing date, really. So. so we'll have an opportunity at that time to clarify. Like, I guess I'm yeah. looking at this map, and I'm not really understanding what's being closed and what's being replaced. Well, that's probably a good question to ask then. So Ms. Modi and the advertisement or whatever can make that a little clearer if that's ambiguous. So, so we, we have two plans. If you go to uh, the road closure plan, probably doesn't look like it's a very obvious thing to anybody who's not a land surveyor. But if you go to the last page of the RFD, there's a sketch which shows the satellite image underneath. Yeah. So we've got... Uh, private land to the east and to the west is the actual road and you can see that it's highlighted in red and so the blue area the area outlined in blue is the area that we would be closing and making private land so that we can then sell it the allowance alone is what we're closing that's right par- par- a portion of it okay i misunderstood okay yeah. okay so that blue area is the blue area is the proposed area for sale oh yes, okay exactly. i follow what you're saying okay yeah and if I may, Mr. Mayor, the um, um, notices go out to landowners within how f- distant? Adjacent landowners. Are, so they have to required. be touching this property or something like that. Yeah. We'll be communicating for sure with CN. They're the primary adjacent landowner. So just, I, I'm, I'm assuming because it confused me, might confuse other people. Yeah. We're saying it's a road closure, but it's actually a road allowance that we're taking away. Not We're not closing the actual road that no. goes underneath the bridge there, right? That's right. No, we're not closing any actual road that we use today. Okay, because that's where my confusion was coming in. I'm looking at this as a road closure, mm-hmm. but it's actually the road allowance that we're... Okay. We're formally closing that portion of the road allowance. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay, so uh, what you... Your ask of us is for first reading, right? No, it's and just... And that allows you to advertise or, or... Just to set the public hearing date. I uh, will hold the public hearing on September 8th and also hold first reading after we have the public hearing. Okay, very good. If council so chooses. So a motion to uh, hold to hold a public hearing for... What's the date you want? September 8th, your next council meeting. September 8th, 2015, uh, to deal with uh, bylaw 1968 road closure. Would that be a fair uh, motion to be made? Uh, I'm looking at you, Deputy Mayor (laughs) Manzer. Okay, I move that uh, administration advertise a public hearing as per the requirements of Section 606 and set a public hearing date of September 8, 2015 for bylaw 1968, which is a bylaw to close a portion of 90th Street in the town of Peace River. Do I want to say 90th Street or this road allowance? 
Okay, I'll stay with 90th Street portion thereof. Okay, all in favor of Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion? I don't think there was anybody against that motion. Uh, that takes us to by, uh, bylaw 1967, land use bylaw amendment, and I believe you will probably stick around for this one, Ms. Modi. I will. So the town has received an application to amend the land use bylaw to add motel as a discretionary use to our CR district. Our CR district is applied to land within the downtown area. It's not applied to Main Street, but it is applied to the majority of the rest of downtown. Um, we have a distinction in our land use bylaw between motel and hotel. So a motel is a group of guest rooms where the individual entrances to each guest room are oriented to the outside, whereas a hotel is a building where the main entrance to the building is a single entrance and the hotel rooms are oriented to the interior of the building. Right now, a hotel is a permitted use within the CR district and a motel is not enabled. So the application is to add motel as a discretionary use. Well, I learned something today. I always wondered what the difference between motel and hotel was. <laughs> Great. Um, I think this is fairly straightforward then. I take it you are recommending uh, that we adopt this uh, this change? I'm recommending that you proceed with first reading okay. and set a public hearing date. Uh, the recommendation in the RFD does say September 8th. I will note that I've spoken to the applicant and he had encouraged an earlier date if possible. So there was a informal verbal request from the landowner or the applicant to if possible, have an earlier council meeting to consider the public hearing. So, uh, CAO Bench, when can we make that? Ha can we make that happen at an earlier date? You could hold a special meeting to have that public hearing, or just have the public hearing yeah. at a different date. And uh, I don't. What we is the earliest date they could do that? Well, we have to advertise for two weeks. So in terms of keeping it on a Monday, it would be August 31st would be the earliest. Okay. So one week earlier, basically. Okay. Well, I'm, well do you think the applicant is uh, – one week is only seven days, but I suppose you can get a lot of building done in seven days. <laughs> I believe that's their philosophy. Yeah. So so is everyone good with August 31st? or I, I'm good with it, but I wonder if I could ask a question of the planner. Okay. So I know that – we understand the difference between a motel and a hotel. So a motel in this area, what's the because of this door question, mm -hmm. is there an implication of additional parking if you were to build such a unit in downtown? There's no implication for additional parking. The parking requirements for both uses are the same. So it's uh, the same. I, I think okay. the reason, generally speaking, that a hotel would be enabled in a downtown area and a motel wouldn't is that a motel is a more car-oriented use. You also can't really easily build a motel beyond two stories. That's sort of what I was trying So it, it is, a hotel is potentially a more urban style of building, and that's why you might want to encourage it in your downtown versus the motel. But that being said, that's probably a good discussion to have at the public hearing. Okay. All right. Thanks for the clarification. Um, the, the applicant for this uh, specific request did phone me personally just over the weekend is it uh fair to ask to share that like i know the land location that this gentleman's talking about is that uh, able to be shared with council 
We could theoretically share that, but at this point, this proposal is to amend an entire zone. So we need to consider whether the use is appropriate within the entire zone, not just on that specific piece of property. Whether that application is appropriate at that particular location is something that would be considered by the Municipal Planning Commission as they consider that particular development permit application. So Canadian Best Inns, I think that's their name, isn't that a motel? It would be a motel, yes. Right now they are legally existing non-conforming use in our land use bylaw. Oh, they're non-conforming. But yes, but they've uh, been there for long enough that I believe they are good to go as long as they continue going. Following the philosophy of uh, uh, don't ask for permission, just ask for forgiveness. Okay. Okay. So we already have an existing motel downtown. We do. Okay. If it helps your worship, I would uh, put a motion on the floor to provide first reading to bylaw in 1967 uh, and amend, to amend the land use bylaw 1891. <clears throat> to amend 1891 and to set a public hearing date for August 31st, August 2015. August Are people 30. good with that? Can we make that happen? Will we have quorum? We, I, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm inclined to go with September 8th because we've got two councillors away now, and uh, it, I'm, I'm not sure if everybody's scheduled, but uh, I think let's go with September 8th. Well, well, it's probably better to have it on the 8th and than have it on the 31st, and only have how many do we need for quorum? Four or five? Well, I'll be here on 31st. You'll be here. Ms. Benke will be here. I'm sure we can get Mr. Sawcheck or Mr. Uh, Furr out. I will uh, amend my friendly, a uh, friendly amendment to my motion will be uh, the August 8th, uh, August 31st, and uh, we'll see where the chips lie. Okay. Okay, all in favor of Councillor Needham's motion? Passed. If council is considering or has decided to do an August 31st meeting, can I also encourage you to amend the public hearing date for the road closure bylaw to August 31st so we can expedite that as well? Somebody want to make that motion? I'll make that motion, Your Worship, to amend the public hearing date for the road closure to August 31st, the okay. public hearing. All in favor? Thank you. Uh, bylaw 1958, taxi bylaw, and we're getting an update. Uh, I'm assuming Mr. Graham Smith will handle this one. Good evening. Uh, as per council's direction, uh, I've held discussions with all the taxi operators. Uh, they've given me some input. Uh, we asked the public, and interestingly enough, we had one written submission from a member of the public who was all for the types of regulations we already have in place. Uh, the the operators uh, again, as we predicted, are not terribly happy. Uh, 
mainly on a financial point of view because it does uh, increase their cost of doing business rather, rather substantially. Uh, the licensing fee per company, uh, which was originally uh, $100 a year, we put back up to 150 the same as every other commercial business in town, uh, just to bring them back in line with all our other business licensing, uh, save the drinking establishments. Uh, after a number of concerns regarding mechanical deficiencies, safety, and such, uh, previously, well, I'll go back. When we started, we uh, used the uh, a standard uh, adopted from the province of Alberta's out-of-province inspections. It's a fairly rigorous inspection. Uh, Alberta requires a yeah, you, if you're bringing a motor vehicle into the province from somewhere else in Canada or the United States. Uh, it's an expensive process. The out-of-province standard is very expensive. The, the average asking price in Peace River is about 275 to $325 per year per unit, uh, depending on which dealership you go to. Uh, these can only be performed uh, by a mechanic who is licensed uh, uh, by the province of Alberta under their standards, uh, which leaves you with the major dealerships and a couple of others. Uh, one gentleman who was particularly good at this sort of thing has now, for reasons of health, uh, stopped doing so. Uh, so, and being that it was so expensive, uh, the, we had discussions uh, with the former CAO, and it was agreed upon that we would use the standards under the Insurance Act. The Insurance Act standards are pretty much those that would apply to you if you were selling or buying a car privately that was over, well, I believe it started at 10 years old. I think now it's 12. I'm not quite sure what the uh, the act says. But it, it is much less rigorous in terms of the mechanics of the vehicle than the out-of-province standard. But since they are transporting the public, and public being anyone from infants to seniors, uh, safety is paramount consideration, mechanical safety, is that first step along the line and be it uh, as it is and let the chips fall where they may it costs money to have these inspections done the only way they could probably they probably might get a better rate is if there was every every taxi company took every taxi in town to the same dealership and they might cut them a break but there's no guarantees uh we won them over on the criminal records check, probably about 95%. Uh, there was a little bit of an argument over the, the ongoing cost because the RCMP charge about $50 a piece per criminal records check. That includes what is known as a vulnerable sector check, and I've explained this to you before. And uh, it's all based on fingerprints. And they're going, well, my fingerprints don't change. Why should I have to do it every year? Yes, your fingerprints don't change unless you've lost a finger. But your record could have changed. And trying to get that through to them 
was a little bit difficult. Uh, one other thing we wanted to do is, and uh, Councillor Ford brought this forward to me, it's a great idea, is uh, about twice a year, every six months, a general inspection as to just the general you know, condition and appearance of both the interior and the exterior of the cab. Now, the, uh, and the joy of it is it doesn't have to be done by a mechanic. Uh, Ms. Bench could do it. <laughs> She's very mechanically inclined. And does it have two working headlights? Does it have working signal lights? Does it have working brake lights? That sort of thing. Is the interior covered in dust, rust, and mold? Uh, is it, you know, covered in, you know, slopped antifreeze or oil or whatever? It, it's about a 15-minute inspection. And, you know, they are told if they pass or fail, if they fail, they're told to go away and fix it and bring it back and we'll re-inspect it. If they pass it, all well and good. Uh, we now have a, a new type of municipal driver permit. We've taken the original one, which is about the size, just a touch smaller than a credit card, to now that something about that size, and you can most certainly see the operator's picture on it and all the details, uh, and it will fit into a plastic pouch, which they can affix somewhere on their dash so that it's clearly visible to anyone who engages the service of that taxi. And that's been the, uh, a falling down point. Well, who is the driver? Well, he showed me his card, but I couldn't read it. The small cards were pretty hard to read in a dark cab, even with, even with the dome light on. They were darn small. This is going to change that. Uh, again, it all went back with the the drivers and the operators to the cost of doing business. Well, we all know that if you're going to do business, it's going to cost you a certain amount of money. A business like this, where you're operating a motor vehicle, and we all know what the cost of operating a motor vehicle besides fuel is like. It's going to cost you money. So I'm sorry, but it's got to work that way. Uh, there were some concerns about uh, regulating limousine service. And I just sort of looked at them and shook my head and said, there are, as far as I know, two working limousines in town. One belongs to the Chapel of Memories, which I don't think they're hiring out. And the other uh, belongs to a, uh, a sir, well, uh, I'm not quite sure what to call it. It's an entertainment place, and it belongs to Bell Petroleum. And they use it mostly for special functions for weddings and, and stuff like that. It's not operated on a, you know, let's go out and run around in a big car for hire. We did have discussions on the storage of certain materials because of, uh, let's say, leaky containers or whatever. Uh, we think we've got that one straightened out. Everybody seems to come up with the same idea. We won't get one. The, uh, the, plas the ubiquitous plastic milk cartons, everybody seems to have one. I don't know whether Jerry's still using them, but uh, they're, they're great for things like, you know, windshield washer fluid and, and things like that to keep it from getting punctured and spilled all over the back. Uh, we have increased... The, uh, the fines, 
Uh, they're pretty hefty, but they need to encourage them to play by the rules and deter them from trying to take a chance in, in doing something really not so wise. Uh, and they, the fines, after I had some discussions with uh, my director and the RCMP, uh, that we need to make them heavy enough to really make them think that it's not worth their while. And we have to put something in there that says, if money's no object, then fine. We will not give you a license or we will suspend or revoke your license. Uh, that's you know that's the third that's the third strike. But it'll start on a progressive rate at anywhere from well, I believe the figure from the back here. They can start from anywhere from three hundred dollars and work their way up to about fifteen hundred. That should get somebody's attention, and that's what we're aiming to do. It's like, come on, people, play by the rules. It's not hard. And in some cases, we would revoke the company's license. Some cases, we would revoke the driver's license. Some cases, we would suspend it. It would all be very much dependent on what the offense was, and that will be discussed between myself or whoever succeeds me, uh, the RCM police, Director of Protective Services, and ultimately the uh, the taxi companies will be will be in and saying, okay, defend what you did and why you did it, and then we'll make a decision. Everybody will get due process. The one thing that I have to caution everyone, and I, I had this discussion with the RCM police as well, is there have been a lot of complaints about attitude and service, and I'm sorry, but... I haven't met a governing body anywhere at any level that can legislate attitude, personal attitudes. And it boils down to the famous caveat emptor, buyer beware. If you don't like the service, you don't like their attitude, deal with another company. You know, if it's, you know, really, really bad and obvious, yes, we will step in and find out what's going on and find out if there's a way that we as a municipality can deal with it. But in most cases, it's of such a nature, the ones I've dealt with in the last, I think, six years since we've had this, they're very much, uh, I don't like your attitude, I don't like the way you looked at me type of thing. There was nothing there to hang your hat on as far as a, uh, as a civil or even a criminal charge. So, uh, questions from Mr. Smith on this bylaw, uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer. Um, two points of clarification: the service standards number seven. It says that um, a decal or decal will be um, put on the, each side of the taxi cab to display the uh, surcharges. Is this on the inside, the outside, or both? There, most of them are designed. If, if it's the, the rates decals. Mm -hmm. which has the surcharges, most of those are designed to go on the outside of the window. So could they also not go on the inside? It depends on how the surface is made. It, it's up to the company. That but makes if, you're, if you're forgotten what that thing said out there and you're arguing 
with the taxi driver about the cost, isn't it easier to have something in front of both of you? You know what I mean? I, I, I know where you're coming from on that one. And uh, I, I just, when we, we put this together and we first brought them in, and looking at all the other examples around the province, they're affixed to the outside. Yeah. Okay, and second question, um, it's also service standards number 3J, or 3I. Uh, shall not smoke themselves nor permit any passenger to smoke within the taxi cab. Does this mean that there would be no smoking whether passengers are present or not? Like 24 hours a day there's no smoking in the cab? Or It should be that way because, again, the, it, you get the secondhand smoke. There's, there's the lingering residue in the air. Uh, as far as policing it, almost impossible. Uh, I don't know what the Provincial uh, Tobacco Reduction Act says on that, but that's one thing that was insisted on in the first go-around with this, and we left it. But the, the biggest thing was the, the second-hand smoke. Right. So these drivers shouldn't be smoking in the cars. Okay. Absolutely. Actually, I have a, a couple of questions for you, Mr. Smith. In regards to, I know you and I have, have had quite a bit of discussion in regards to this bylaw. Um, under the inspection, inspection requirement grid, um, section one, it says new vehicles, inspection required upon expiry of the warranty period not, not to exceed five years. So am I reading this correctly, saying that if taxi company A goes and buys a new, a new vehicle for a cab, gets it all done up, goes on the road, that vehicle does not have to have an inspection for five years? Well, it's still under warranty? No. So who ensures that that vehicle is in safe and sound manner while that thing's that's, being operated? That's why. Okay, as far as operation concerned, now, you, you've got me a little confused. You use the word operation. But this whole thing, when we went through this uh, from the beginning and from everything else, we said, you know, they want to keep these, they won't buy a brand new vehicle. They have a manufacturer warranty on them, presuming that they want to keep that in, you know, tip-top condition while the manufacturer is still, still paying for all the... Uh, the problems uh, there's all kinds of incentive for them to go in and get this dealt with we also wrote it in there that where myself or another peace officer has reasonable grounds to suspect that it is unsafe for operation due to something mechanical we can then demand that they take it to an inspection station and have it verified you've got a problem <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I can hear you. The, the, concern, the concern that I have is I deal with fleet vehicles on a daily basis with my work. Mm -hmm. For instance, brakes are not warranty. Okay? How do, how do we ensure that that vehicle is in a safe and sound manner on, on those kind of components? Because brakes wear out. You can wear a set what? of brakes out in a year. If you're, I, I, I agree with you. There's no question about that. 
brand new ones probably should last you more than a year, but that should. Uh, what we were trying to do, because again, they were all crying expense, and we went through this with every operator. Uh, we went through this with a number of the local mechanics. Uh, Ms. McCory, when she was here as CAO, because this started in her, her term, and we believed that this was probably the best way to go with it. And I do believe, if, I, if my memory serves me, that every operator was in agreement that they're just concerned as concerned about the driver's safety as they are about the passengers, and they'll make sure the brakes and such are up to snuff. We left it at that. Now, apparently, they're offering seven-year warranties. Now, I haven't bought a new car in so long, I wouldn't know. But that's the rationale that I understand that we went with on this. Yeah, look, I, I understand the warranty's a warranty, but on those wear components, that, that's that's where my concern is. Yeah. Yes, there is there is a cost to doing business. Yeah. How, how would you suggest then, because I, I'm always open to suggesting that, that we look after the things like the brakes. To be honest, I'd like to see that change from five to two. Have those have those inspections done. If you buy a brand new vehicle, because brakes are part of that inspection, have that inspection done after two years. Mm -hmm. We could, you know, we possibly do like. That. I don't know, like what what cost do you put on a what, what cost do you put on a person's safety? Oh, I I I, I agree with you totally. Yeah. Uh, I would like to uh, perhaps, uh, I mean, you know, you deal with fleet vehicles constantly. I, I, you know, I'd like to go pick a few of my uh, mechanic friend's brains. You know, I, I've got a few out there that I do trust. I'd let them work on my vehicle. So <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that you're wrong, and I don't believe you, not, not for a moment. You know, let, let's, let's have a considered judgment on this, and then we can make up our minds. You know, we don't have to go to second and third reading tonight. This was brought forward. Yes, number one, updating information. I put the option in if you want to do more readings. But the foremost thing was to let you know where we're at. Mm -hmm. The one thing I, yeah, I did make a note on in this, and I should have brought it to you a little bit earlier, is we're looking at changing the uh, – I make if once this is passed, and it's passed in the next month or so, making an enforced date of January 1. That will bring our licensing back uh, to the same level that our other business licensing are because our business licensing operates on calendar year, January through December. This one was pushed through in 2009. They wanted it up and running in July. We had to do the, the staggered year and that it's not helping the girls down the front end with their bookkeeping any. That's a, that's a minor part of it. Yeah, we, we could definitely look at, you know, two years or three or whatever. Okay. You know, I, I have no problem with that. It's, 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 it's an, easy, an easy question and answer thing with uh, some of the mechanical people. So what do you I would like to see the... Uh, the actual annual inspection change from uh, five years, like that doesn't start until after five years. Under Schedule A, On, you were, sir. Yes.
logistics of scheduling, i.e. vehicles over, you want to strike out five, put in two years old, shall require mechanical inspection. Uh, Annually, yeah. Be an annual. Are you talking, uh, Mr. Ford, about item one or two under that? Uh, You change one, you got to change two. Yeah, that that would be both. So new vehicles should be required to have an annual inspection after two years. If they, uh, and, I, and I agree with you because taxi cabs, being public transportation, they put on a lot of miles, and some of them are hard miles. Could you not look at doing that and just limiting the inspection that you're doing between year two and the, and the end of warranty to be those specific components as opposed to making them do a full inspection on a vehicle that maybe doesn't require a full inspection? It, it's, an, it's an idea worth considering. It's just a matter of the logistics of how, how to schedule it and make sure that we keep it all straight in the database, that it's got the full inspection here, it gets this, these components here, and the, the more stops you put along the way, the more yep. confusing it gets. Yeah, I follow you. There's also a, there's also a different. I'm not going to name any businesses, but there is also businesses out there that do a, an inspection very very similar to this that actually measure your brake wear, measure this, and it, it's not. It's it's usually in around the $180 range. Now what that that inspection is actually is actually quite a thorough inspection as well. I'm not sure if it's the same or would be classed as the same as an out-of-province. No, there's one that I'm familiar with uh, does just exactly say, you know, uh, tire, you know, your tire wear, brake wear. Uh, but it's under the out-of-province, but it's significantly higher than others, depending on which dealership you go to. I haven't found anything yet in, in looking at the major dealerships in Peace River that was under for the for the standard we're looking for that was under two hundred and seventy five plus tax. I mean they can go if they want to go to Grand Prairie. A guy will do it down there cheaper and you know, is a licensed mechanic who's able to do these things and is willing to sign off on it because it's his name and his license number with the province that goes on it. And if something goes sideways, it's not only the taxi cab or the driver that, that goes down, it's the mechanic. Mm-hmm. And you know that as well as I do. But they, I know some of, the, some of the cabs have gone to Grand Prairie, gotten it done cheaper. Yes, they have the name, they have the license inspection number, the whole nine years, and as long as it's within 45 days, I'm good. Uh, two other questions? Uh, hopefully these ones are short and sweet. Um, <laughs> in regards to the discussions that we've had in the past, um, there were some items that I did not see in the bylaw. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that the, the, the stuff that didn't make the cut would be the, uh, the uh, meter and the camera. Was there anything else besides those two? That's it. They didn't make the cut because... That, the metering thing is up to you folks sitting around here. 
The Municipal Government Act allows you to set fares. Now, whether that be a flat rate or whether that's the introduction of a meter system and so much, you know, per part kilometer or part thereof, there's so much waiting time on the meter, and the meter must measure time and distance, and they can't measure them together, or they, you set a flat rate. But that is the call of the Municipal Council under the MGA. I just brought that forward for your information. I told you this yep. the last time. Well, there is another councillor that had asked about that. Yeah. A while and about. meters, let's see, the last time I checked, which was about, oh, probably a little over a year ago, uh, cheapest I found was an outfit in Calgary, $600 per meter per unit, minimum two hours installation, and it's electrical, so there's no flat rate. And uh, they've got to, the guys have to learn how to hook it up to something in the uh, the drivetrain and the variable speed so that the minute the thing stops moving, it starts measuring time, not distance. The cameras, again, cost thing, and one company was willing to do it on their own. I said, fine, if you want to do it on your own, you have at it. But everybody else was ready to fight on it, and I, I would much prefer we got through this step and got the essentials, and then we can look at the the add-ons, the, the value-added items, a little bit further down the road. Okay. And the last question I have is just in your in your best opinion, with all the information that was that was brought forward, and a lot of the, I guess, concerns from from the general public. Do you yourself feel that this will take care of it? There's always going to be somebody looking to do it quick and easy. And we're just going to have to keep our eyes open. Uh, the other thing, too, is that the public who are making the complaints need to work with us, which they haven't. They're trying to, but they're not doing a very good job of it. They're not doing, they're bringing their complaints forward in a timely manner. Then when we think we have something we can proceed on, you know, again, due process kicks in. Someone wants to plead guilty. You, you tell them, well, you're the one making the complaint. Are you prepared to give evidence in a court of law? No. Don't waste my time. You, you know, because everyone has is the right to face their accuser. And if the accuser doesn't want to stand up on their hind legs in the courtroom and give that evidence, there's no point in bringing the charge. And I fight that at every level on practically every regulatory bylaw. I want to complain, but I don't want to go to court. I want to be a good neighbor. Thank you for all your hard work, Mr. Smith. Anyone else? Yeah, so uh, how, do, how do you, uh, so you get taxi cab complaints. Uh, what's the mechanism of tracking I say I use the the standard complaint form. Uh, depending, I say if it's and most of the ones I get have been getting lately have been driving complaints, which I can't deal with. They're under the Traffic Safety Act and the use of the highway and rules of road regulation, which means it's the RCM police and the sheriffs that have to deal with them. 
yes, I will make a note of them. I have a list of them in my files in the office, but I cannot act on them. Only they can write. So uh, are you going to summarize uh, complaints? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every month, myself and the detachment will sit down and we'll go through every complaint we've received. And it'll be everything, you know, some of them will be simply, you know, it will be attitude, it will be fares, uh, it will be driving, whether it be erratic driving. And if there's a pattern emerge, and some of them are setting a pretty good pattern right now because they're a little bit of a speed demon, uh, there's going to be a review of their performance. And one thing that's going to really bring things out is our photo enforcement. Because these guys are getting nabbed right now on a fairly regular rate. And granted, it's only a registered donor ticket goes back to the owner of the vehicle. But it's not hard to find out who is driving it at that particular time of day and work through it that way. Yeah. Uh, just going back to the letters of submission. So you got uh, one letter of submission from the general public. Yeah, there's one email, which I apologize, I forgot and, to print it off and bring so, with me. So uh, you said that everything in that email that that member of the public was looking for is in this. Yeah, they were talking about. They were looking at criminal records checks. They were looking at mechanical inspections. They thought they, these things are the things that... Did the taxi cab companies put in any written submissions, or were they all verbal? On these no, they were all written there. Uh, I summarized them with the package you have okay. there. Okay. Uh, you know, there's, well, with four companies plus the, uh, the fellow from Grimshaw basically runs a shuttle service between Grimshaw and Peace River, who really is a big player. Uh, let me How see. Many, uh, valid, uh, taxi cab we have four in the town who are currently licensed to operate. And how many cabs do they all have? They have about, I'm, I'm just guessing, but it's a darn close guess. I would say it's probably in around 14 or 15. 15, 60, yeah, and 6, and 6, that's 12, 3, yeah. I you're going to go up to 17. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm just trying to, right, so if I, I would say 15 is a good, close how, number. How many, uh, how many people do they employ? How many taxi cab drivers are there? Varies. Some of them are right so up are to there, staff. So are there 30, or are there? Very, very close to, I would say, they're running short. They're running about 24. Pardon me? I would say they're running about 24, 25, because they're always complaining about being shorthanded. Okay, great. Okay, thanks. Uh, so we're uh, you're looking for a second reading, so you can move this along. And yeah, I, I, I think we need to tweak it. consideration for uh, we're looking at the... Uh, Okay, uh, so I'll give you the honors, Mr. Ford. Okay, where's the recommendation here? Well, the recommendation was second and third reading. You just want to do first, I mean second reading. 
Yes, Your Worship, I'd put a motion on the floor to provide second reading to uh, bylaw 1958. Is that sufficient? All in favor of Councillor Ford's motion? Passed. Okay, uh, bylaw 1955. Your Worship, I have to declare a conflict of interest on this one, so I'll remove myself from the discussion. Okay, very good. Thank you. So bylaw 1955 is a bylaw that was uh, that received first reading in January. It's a bylaw to permit the town to make a borrowing to develop three additional lots at the airport. So council or administration has brought this back for council to review once more. It was it came back in uh, February or it was advertised in February um, for the required. Um, advertisements at the Record Gazette. There were no petitions received against it. It was presented for second reading, but that was postponed uh, pending uh, word from MD 135 whether or not they would cost share the the debenture payments. This item is on the MD's council agenda for tomorrow night. I don't know what their answer will be. So I'm looking for council's direction as to uh, whether or not you want to proceed with this or what would you would like administration to do with it. Councillor Needham, when is the airport committee scheduled to, uh, re- to uh, yeah, just get back together again? Give me three, uh, just give me one moment, and our airport committee meeting is uh, scheduled for August 24th at uh, 6 p.m., just while I have the floor, Your Worship, I, in my mind, I, I, we certainly want to see some development at the airport. I don't think there's any disagreement there. I, I'm really reluctant to taking on debt um, with regards to the MD of peace. I, uh, I'm, I, I still feel a little, uh, right. well, some misgivings over the last arrangement we had with them with a camp out there, and I, I think, uh, I think it would be best if we could park this item until the airport committee uh, launches itself and I'm optimistic that the airport committee will launch itself fairly soon and then uh, let that new regional group deal with matters such as this. Right, so the funding was supposed to come from our portion of the funding, presuming, assuming that the MD of Peace was going to go into this program with us, was going to come from the monies from the leases obtained at the airport. Now, with the airport committee, we're hoping that we can uh, we can get the surrounding municipalities, including the town of Grimshaw, to uh, basically cost share on this uh, on this airport, and uh, that would then have its own separate governance structure. So it would, rather than the town saying, hey, we're going to continue paying for the airport. We'll sign off on a on a loan, i.e., a debenture, and then the airport committee goes ahead, and we're the town of Peace River essentially holds the bag because we uh, we've signed the debenture. Yeah, I I think what we'll do is maybe bring this up with the airport committee and let them uh, make a decision on August 24th. Maybe we'll give them a a briefing. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Table it to September eighth. Well, I'm I'm hoping that the airport committee just takes it on and. If uh, the if town of Peace River is tired of paying paying uh, everybody's share on the Peace well, River, I, and I, I think it's a good a good project for the airport committee. Um, again, I'm trying to be optimistic that we get launched, and this would be a great project for the new group that to, to take on. This yeah. would give them some. Uh, so a, a, a you're good looking. Project. Uh, any comments from the other councillors? Well, I agree with the thought process that the town of Peace River would be putting out money but would not be seeing a, a balance until 15 or 20 years from now because the leases don't really cover too much, I don't think. The lease would cover half that cost, yeah. and uh, if the MD were to cover the other half, but they're also looking uh, hopeful, they're also hopeful that the airport committee will take some role in this. Then I would be in favor of tabling it till the beginning of September. Well, if, uh, if, yeah, so just for the record, I would put a motion on the floor that we uh, table this matter till, uh, till, uh, till September uh, 8th or thereabouts, I guess, is the next date. I'll just pick a date here. takes us to unfinished business. Uh, there's two items on unfinished business. Uh, so item 7.1 is Town of Peace River budget direction. I'm assuming that you are going to handle this, Ms. Bench. So at the uh, July 8th... Uh at the July 8th council meeting, council gave some direction with respect to um, budget parameters. And under the MGA, uh, council is only permitted to give direction by way of resolution or bylaw. So we're here to ask for council to pass a resolution to uh, provi provide the 2016 budget parameters for administration. So we're looking for um, council to pass a resolution to... Um, set the budget parameters as discussed at the July 8th meeting that the municipal tax revenue raised to remain at the 2015 level and that um, going forward all the um, budgets within the town departments go towards uh, zero-based budgeting and that protective services be the first department in the uh, administration to use that method for 2016 and the other departments start in future years. Um, so uh, the tax revenue remaining at the 2015 level of 10,361.73, um, that that in turn means that there would be no major um, expenditures beyond whatever we did in 2015 levels. That's correct. Yep. We would have to hold the budget as is or reduce. 
does that allow for what we needed to offset that the rec level levy at point that extra point five mil? We would have to come up with that with by reducing other areas of the budget. Because the ten the ten three, oh, right. So it would be an increase of point five if we were gonna do that. Okay. All right. So, Mr. Mayor, I'm willing to uh, put forth a motion that um, the budget uh, parameters include uh, having the municipal tax revenue remain at the 2015 level of $10,361,073. Do and is it appropriate to put the second part in the same motion or? Okay, and that... Um, each department moved towards using a zero-based uh, budget method, but on a rotating basis, and Protective Services develop its 2016 budget based on the zero-based budgeting method. Is that... So will this come to us prior... Like, this will be a discussion point if we need to modify or adjust? Yes. You and this would allow for the, fi the same half a mil that we put into the rec fund last year, but it wouldn't allow for the other half a mil that we were planning to do for the 2016 year. With council setting this budget parameter, it'll be up to administration to come up to those levels and include the stuff that uh, you want included. We'll have to cut back in other areas, and if we can't do it, then it will come back to council to decide what it is you want to cut. So uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer has a motion on the uh, table, um, so we'll vote for it. I don't think we need to repeat it. Uh, all in favor? Passed. Okay, let the budgeting begin. Uh, the next item is CAO appointment, and I take it you will speak to this as well. Ms. Yes. Mitch? So Council has gone through the process of um, officially offering Mr. Parker the position of CAO. The uh, last Council meeting, Council gave uh, the Mayor authority to negotiate the contract. So that has been done. Mr. Parker has accepted the position. So now Council has to officially appoint Mr. Parker to the position and accept the contract. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> The contract would come first. Okay. So this is pretty straightforward. So uh, who wants to make the motion? I will make the motion that um, council approve the employment contract between Christopher Parker and the and the town for the term December 1, 2015 to November 30th, 2018 and the mayor be authorized to execute the contract on behalf of the town. Secondly, that Christopher Parker be appointed. Uh, no? We're going to make that three separate motions. Three separate? Okay. So we'll allow two other people to... Uh, <laughs> so uh, 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 Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion, all in favor? Who wants to make the second 
I would put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, that Christopher, Mr. Christopher Parker be appointed uh, Chief Administrative Officer for the Town of Peace River, effective December 1st, 2015. All in favor of Councillor Needham's motion? Uh, we have a third item. Um, who would like to make that motion? Your Worship, I would uh, put a motion on the floor that we, uh, the appointment of Ms. Renee Bench as interim CAO be rescinded effective December 1st, 2015. All in favor? <laughs> we may have to have a point of order on that vote. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask the gallery why they're here so that we can put their agenda item up early because I want to go have uh, a break and, and eat some supper. So who, uh, the general gallery, is there a particular item you, that you're here for? Or? Yeah. Oh, that's, is that in camera? No. That's number eight? Okay. Okay, number eight. And um, Don Lee, Mr. Don Lee, why are you here? Not that you have to have a reason to be here. Yeah, well, I just, I like to stop by and see what happens here on, on now and again. Huh? Uh, but no, I'm here uh, just kind of moral support for the steel. We have a little request. Okay, so let's put... Okay, let's uh, let's deal with the uh, ski hill, the demolition item, and then the uh, well, maybe the demolition people, Anderson Development would like to hear about the ski Peace River Ski Club. It's a drawing card for the region, so let's do the Peace River <laughs> Ski Club first. Council, there's a report in front of you in regards to a request from the Peace River Ski Club. Um, the request is is in, in bleh, the request is for additional funding for upgrades and improvements to the mid mid ski hill shed and electrical feeder cable for the ski hill T bar system. Um, Lyndon Waits, the president of the ski club, is here also. So. At some point, you may uh, want to ask them to come up and add anything else to my report, if you so choose. Um, as with the current lease agreement with the Peace River Ski Club and the Town of Peace River, this request is being brought forward to Council for your consideration. Um, as you're aware, the shed at the mid-mountain or the mid-hill T-bar shed was destroyed during a spring fire. Um, there's been quite a bit of damage to that main component of the T-bar system. It completely took out the shed and a lot of the, all of the electrical controls and components that were housed in the shed are also destroyed. This structure and all these components are covered by insurance um, and we are proceeding with those repairs as we speak. However, the Ski Hill is taking this opportunity to do some improvements and efficiencies um, and are requesting that Council provide some financial support to that. 
Um, of note is this particular area has received, unfortunately, uh, a lot of vandalism. It regularly is hit the windows, the uh, doors of all the T-bar components, the sheds, particularly top of the hill, mid-mountain, bottom, chairlift, unfortunately become a spot for people's activities. Um, in saying this, the ski club is interested in improving the shed. Insurance will cover the basic shed. It was a standard uh, wood structure. They are requesting additions to make the structure more vandal-proof as best that possibly could happen. Um, this could include uh, a metal roll shutter or a grill guard. We're hoping for more of the metal roll-down shutters over the windows. ICF walls and a co on a concrete slab. The existing shed was not on a slab. It was more of a on skids. Um, a tin roof and stucco exterior. These enhancements will definitely extend the life of that facility or that structure and also provide a lot of um, vandal proofing to, to that little building. They'd also like to improve the structure with some interior paneling and an additional roll-up roll door that was not included in the original door. So more efficiency in the structure. Um, the, additional quote, or the additional items are quoted at $15,500 plus GST. Um, another item that came up is the electrical system. As with any older structure, um, it's been pieced together over the years. And there was a lot of head-scratching of what went where and what was coming from where. Um, so there's some efficiencies that can be had with moving the electrical system. Everything, and Lyndon, correct me if I'm incorrect on this, um, that's powering the T-bars was coming into the main mid-mountain or mid-hill shed. What they would prefer is that the main electrical components and controls were down at the pump house and it would feed up to the T-bar systems. Part of the immediate need for this is if, for some reason, Doppelmeyer, the main company who's fixing the components on the T-bar, are not able to get everything finished in time for the ski season to start, start this year, they would at least be able to power and operate the lower lift and the chairlift. Uh, chairlift is a separate electrical system. But to have the power to go back into where it was at the mid-hill shed, um, we're putting literally all of our eggs in one basket in that particular situation for the electrical. Is that accurate? Yeah, all right, great, thank you. Um, so the proposal is to move all of the electrical down to the pump house. Um, this will also allow for a, a really wonderful component to have proper schematics of where your electrical is coming and going, of which they have none currently. Um, the cost for that project is $6,018.98 as quoted from a local company. So administration provides council with a, a number of different options, of which there could even be a fourth, even a fifth. I present you with three options. Um, to provide the additional funding as per the request, both the $15,500 for the improvements to the shed and $6,018.98 for the electrical project. Um, as noted, this one will assist in vandal-proofing the structure, um, in an attempt to vandal-proof the structure. 
And two, it will allow for operations of the lower T-bar if Doppelmayr is not able to get that upper T-bar um, components in place and operational by ski season. Um, unfortunately, they're having to source product and um, components from all over the world, so it's, it's a bit of a process to get that old T-bar system up and operational. Um, disadvantage to this option, though, is that both projects are unbudgeted. Uh, if council chooses, they could use council grants budget. There is approximately $22,433.53. I'm not sure that's very approximate. That looks pretty <laughs> definitive. Um, in addition, there is also recreation reserve of $144,000. If you choose to either use one or the other um, funding option, uh, this does deplete your potential grants, any grant requests that could be coming forward. And also, it does take funds out of the Recreation Reserve for any future projects for 2016. Um, option two is to decline, respectfully decline the request and proceed with replacement of the impacted structures as per the insurance coverage. And you would proceed forward with what the insurance will be covering in its existing format. Um, this option... Uh, as this, these are unbudgeted projects, there wouldn't be any uh, implications on the budget. It's covered by insurance. This is an advantage. Disadvantages, thus the, the sh basic shed that we will be receiving through the insurance will be susceptible to vandalism. Um, and then there is the potential if they are not able to get the T-bar running the upper lift uh, with the, the, where the electrical would have to go back, and that doesn't happen there could be a holdup on their operations for the new season. Um, your option, which that second option does not have any financial implications to the town directly. Option three, um, administration would recommend that in this option we explore are there components that can be postponed to the budget next budget cycle for 2016. Obviously, this puts out some of the components like the ICF structure, uh, concrete slab, however you could put a skid building onto a concrete slab. These are some of the components we could explore. Are there components that we would budget for in 2016? Council could deliberate those at that time. Um, this would allow for council to budget for components of the project if there are components that can be held off on. Um, the disadvantages of this, as I just noted, you're obviously going to lose the opportunity to do an ICF ICF structure type building. Um, financial implications, at this point, they would be unknown because we aren't sure what could be moved to 2016 and what components would not be of option at all. Um, at this point, administration would recommend uh, exploring the option three to defer the project to components of the project to 2016. Uh, and for council to deliberate at that time during the 2016 budget process how and if they would like to fund those components of the project. Why would you want to go to option three? You want, you just heard the last motion. You're not getting any more money next year. <laughs> so. As I was sitting there in the back of the room going, <laughs> it really is a bit of a pickle either way. <laughs> Um, first of all, could someone clarify our obligations to the 
kind of ski hill infrastructure, the town's obligations to that? As per the existing operation and maintenance agreement, um, our obligation is to the um, non-destructive test and the um, ADARSA inspections that happen every year. So we've budgeted $56,000 in the operating budget for those inspections for their operational year. And no they, other. They did happen, those inspections? Those will happen or they soon. Okay. Yes. And was there consideration for option four of some from grants and some from recreation reserve? At, at option two, it would give you that option to pick and choose how you would like to fund it from those two funding sources. And you could have a third funding source being asking administration to find any leftover funds in the operating budget, if any such exists, Sandy. <laughs> Just making sure she's no, paying attention. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Tanya, could you just? Uh, I, I see the ski hill president is in yes. the background, and I can I can catch his eye there now, Lyndon. I was just wondering, uh, Lyndon, if you could just speculate about where do you see this project, and you're going to be able to predict Mother Nature and how much snow we're going to get. I'm sure. Uh, but just how critical is this to, um, you know, you've been dealt, a, we've all been de dealt a set of cards about the ski hill, and we likely should not talk about it this time. But anyway, you, you, didn't, need a, you didn't need a fire, and uh, we didn't need a fire either. But, and then we've got other cost items. So how, how does this $21,000 make break the ski hill this year? Is this, could you just generally speak? Well, as it sits right now, uh, we're opening for the season. We're going to have our chairlift operational. That's power completely separate. The entire power structure for the entire hill came into that mid-mountain shack. So we've lost our snowmaking capabilities, we've lost our lighting capabilities, and we've lost power to both the upper and the lower lift. So Doppelmeyer is having problems because there was no schematics available. Doppelmeyer is going back and forth with electricians. Nobody seems to be able to connect and say, well, we're going to put this in, and you guys have to put this in. It's kind of a jigsaw puzzle that nobody has a clue what it looks like. So this is where we came up with this contingency plan to get the power run to the bottom, at least for the lower lift. That way we can operate the lower lift and the chair lift, whether, whether Doppelmeyer comes through or not. So that, that gives us both lifts. That way I can put to the public, hey, we've got two lifts open. We have entire mountain access with those two lifts. We don't need the top lift if it doesn't get open. As far as the uh, the $15,000 for the vandalism, last year you guys built a shack for the top of the hill, cost $6,100. This year we've spent about $3,000 on vandalism and numerous fees before that, which I haven't calculated. If we could put up an ICF structure there instead of a wood structure with concrete on the outside and shutters on the windows, that would eliminate 90% of the damage to that building. With all that electrical in there, especially with the new upgraded electrical, that's costly stuff in there. If people break in like they did before, there could be some serious ramifications. So the $15,000 would be a, an investment in the future. It's something that we've wanted to do for a long time. Years ago when I first started, it was tossed around then. Let's put a concrete building there. Nobody can push it over the top of the hill with a vehicle. And if they do, they're going to damage their vehicle. Don't tempt. 
So how, um, so this fix would get allow you to operate the chairlift and the bottom half of the tow rope uh, assembly. How, how, how do you make the uh, statement that the whole hill will be open? Because it's pretty hard to get from that chairlift over to the uh, to the large run on the uh, north side. It is side. hard to get over there, but it's not impossible. And that's what I have to get to the public. We have got entire, we can get from the bottom to the top of the hill. How you get down is your prerogative and what you want to do. There are different runs. You can explore new terrain. I'm offering an entire hill for the public. We're, we're cutting new runs yeah. this week, too, to make the access and the property care better. Because that's what I want to hear. Because yeah. the customer is the one that you want to... Uh, You'll Satisfied. see mulchers up there tomorrow, right? Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Cutting your runs. Okay. Um, yeah. So on this power business then, the $6,000 gets power to the bottom of the hill, but you still have power in that middle shack thing as well? There's going to be power going back to that middle shack once they figure it out. But what, what they will do is they'll eliminate the power coming back down the hill to the bottom shack so we can run each lift independent no matter what happens with power after that and we'll have schematics so that 20 years down the line somebody will say hey there's schematics here we've got a fire but we know where the power is so um, my personal feeling is let's get it done this year um, I didn't but there's no point I didn't suggest a joint capital fund but That'll take forever, so that just that's leaves That's why it. I didn't offer that option. That's why I'm thinking <laughs> the recreation reserve. <laughs> well, I don't know what other options there are. But, really. uh, what's left in the grants to groups program? If can you literally will this would this wipe that program right out? Yes, it would. You have twenty two thousand four hundred thirty three dollars and fifty three cents. Wow, well, right, it, it would make. Okay, th thank you. <laughs> you have a thousand, not even a thousand dollars. So I, I would, oh, sorry, pardon Go me, ahead. Mr. Ford. Yeah, I just have a quick question for Mr. Waits, just in, in regards to the electrical project itself, just because of where I work. Um, you're costing, like, I haven't seen a breakdown of the project itself, mm -hmm. but you're costing for that project. Have you done a lot of shopping around? No, pricing? I haven't, to be honest with you. Um, we just had our, our volunteer electrician on the hill. I just got him to give me a quick quote just because I needed some numbers. So, I mean, it, it could come in a lot lower than that, but our, our guy that's on the hill quoted that out. Okay, because there are some local businesses that I deal with on a daily basis that will probably be very interested in helping you with this project. So yeah. that's, a, that's an option to look at. Oh, for sure, yeah. So, Ms. Bell, um, the fifteen thousand five hundred was plus GST. The six thousand eighteen dollars ninety eight cents was including GST or add on GST there too. Actually, his quote was unclear. So either way, though, I wasn't too worried about the GST as a municipal government. Yeah, we're exempt. Aren't yeah. We? So I guess what I would be in favor of is. Um, taking maybe something like 5000 out of the grants for groups, if that truly fits, and the rest out of reserve. 
Because I think we need to make allowances for the last four months of the year and other possible uh, requests from that fund just to keep things fair. So, Councillor Vicky, where are you at on this? I'm pretty well in the same boat. I do agree with Deputy Mermanzer, though, to leave some in the grants for groups because inevitably we're going to have some requests coming at the end of the year. Agreed. Let's get it finished. Okay. So uh, who's going to make the motion? Since you proposed the solution, you can make the motion. Okay, Mr. Mayor. I would um, move that uh, council direct administration to use $5,000 from grants from the council grants to groups budget and the remaining uh, requested amount from recreation reserve to pay for these two items as requested from the ski hill. Okay. All in favor of Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion? Passed. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. And we're going to <laughs> go for um, item um, 8. Point, where are we here? 8.8 .8, Development Permit Application Demolition of Single Detached Dwelling Direct Control Area or District. Good evening again. Good evening, Ms. Marie. So before you is a development permit application uh, from or the register owners on the land are the Anderson Building Group. And it's to demolish a single detached dwelling that ex exists on property um, lot two, block one of registered plan 092700, or sorry, 088, in preparation of further development. So normally, when we issue a development permit for a single detached dwelling, there is a ability to demolish that's implicit within that. However, because in this case we're not ready at this time to issue a development permit for this property, the applicant would like to apply to demolish the property or the house that's currently there so that they can be prepared for future development and begin work on the site. Okay. Do we need any debate on this item? Oh, seriously? Um, yeah, not my apologies, but not uh, not mentioning any names because it comes through a uh, nonprofit group that I volunteer with. Um, we've had some um, interesting, uh, let's say, uh, run-ins with a certain individual. Um, we have spoken with the RCMP in regards to that. Um, that individual, from what I have been told, is residing in that house. Whether he's allowed to be residing in that house or not, I do not know. But uh, is there any way that... I haven't had a chance to talk with uh, CAO Bench about this yet, but having the uh, RCMP or bylaw take a look at this because there is a gentleman residing there. Squatter. That would be up to the landowner to uh, determine who is permitted to live in that residence. Right. There's a squat. I guess he's just saying there's a squatter yeah, there. Yeah, there's right? a squatter there. His name is Danny. He has a, a mobile home on site. He's 
supposed to be living on the mobile, in the, his mobile home where he has access. He just uses the house, I guess. He'd rather live in that house than live in the mobile home. But he has no right to live there. It's, 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 he, I, I'll get rid of him like in five minutes if I have to. Don't worry about it. That mobile home, you know, all I'm waiting for is a permit to get that mobile home out of there, too. You know? It's, he's just asking permission. If you can park it there, I said, yes, there's no problem. You can park it there. But as far as, far as that gentleman in the home itself? Well, he has access. He must have broken the door or had access to the door. And he's, he's just in the, in the house. I just come here once a month or like a week a month. So the rest of the time when I'm not here, he just goes, he just has access to the house, but he's not supposed to be there. So yeah. I could, it takes him more warning. Could you uh, make some arrangements to, my, my concern is, is if the house gets demolished and that person is there. Okay, but could you uh, possibly chat with our staff sergeant and have that taken care of? Okay. So, uh, a motion on this item? Uh, yeah, Your Worship, I'd put a motion on the table to approve the development permit for the demolition of the single detached dwelling at 9813 90th Street. Okay. All in favor? Um, we're going to recess for 10, 15 minutes. That'll allow the press to interview the ski. Okay. I'm going to... That Tanya bill is the worst. Okay, if everyone can take their seats. <laughs> Ms. Gore... <laughs> okay, we're going to do uh, new business. We'll start at the top. Uh, Peace River Airport FEC Tender Award. Okay. Thank you, Your Worship and Council. Um, the report came to you uh, earlier today, but I'll uh, step you through it. Okay, thank you, Mr. McLaughlin. So we uh, uh, we have a grant for the replacement of the field electrical center at the airport from Transport Canada, and we tendered the project and closed tenders on Friday. We had uh, three bids. The low bid is uh, Signal Electric, and uh, they had a total bid of $577,000, including GST and uh, and everything in, in their tender. Uh, Gibbings Consultant is our Gibbings Consulting is our uh, consultant for the project. They review the tenders. Everything was in order for the low bidder. Uh, Long story short, the, we're short of money in the grant for the bid price. Uh, the total bid, the the total A cap grant is for four hundred ninety thousand one hundred and forty dollars, and I have talked to Transport Canada, and they are unwilling to increase or don't have the money to increase the cost of the grant. So we've uh, already been to them and tried that. Uh, since the tenders uh, closed on Friday, 
the ACAP uh, or Transport Canada did recommend some items that they would uh, delete to try and bring it uh, in budget, and those are in the report. Uh, that was the where you see the spare parts and the uh, subcontractor manufacturer's rep for commissioning, as well as the fire alarm system. Uh, the existing one doesn't have one of those either. So those were the items that they suggested uh, deleting, as well as there's a, a provisional item that they had said from the onset that they wouldn't pay for that we've taken off uh, this value. And with taking off those obvious items that Transport recommended, that gets us down to 491000 And But you also had some engineering costs so the available grant money after engineering costs is 443 so even with the uh, even by subtracting the items that Transport Canada is recommending it still leaves us with a shortfall of about $50,000 so that's where we're at Um, I think that council has well, you have three options the way I see it in front of you. Uh, we can do the, you could do the subtractions that uh, Transport Canada recommends. Uh, even with doing those subtra- subtractions, we still have to talk to the contractor. The, he, has, he has to agree. Um, but if we do those subtractions, uh, the town could try and come up with its own $50,000 to uh to do this project. The other option we could do is we could negotiate with the contractor to reduce scope and will, will it down till we get in budget. Um, that would mean things like probably reducing the size of your generator. Uh, that was one of the things that we increased in size uh, through the design. Your existing generator out there is way too small. I think it's like 35 kilovolts. And Originally, they designed it for 65, but in talking to your staff and the stuff they wanted to move over in the terminal building to back up power and those kind of stuff, they had upsized it to 75. Um, So, you know, there is some places there that we could work with the contractor to uh, try and reduce costs, but then you're not going to be getting the same product either. So um, the first three items that the transport recommended taking out really weren't you know redu- reductions in product except for the fire alarm uh, one was uh, getting rid of the bringing in the original manufacturer to commission the moving of the equipment um, and then the other one was spare parts that the town would be able to keep on hand um, there's in these prices there is no contingency uh, you know so we don't have there's no no contingency amount to squeeze in here. The only variable cost really in this is uh, there is $35,000 for uh, connecting to utilities where we pay the contractor is actually his actual bills. So there might be a hair left over after we pay for utilities, but I don't anticipate lots being there. So uh, our staff is looking for a 65 kV uh, generator. Uh, no, there's the, the in the tender was 75 oh, okay. kilovolt. Originally, in the 
they upsized it. 10. Your old one's 35. The original application was for 65, but then it went up to 75 based on wanting to move more circuits over at the airport. So if we reduced it from uh, 75 down to 65 kV, we'll be able to get under budget? No, I don't. I, that's one place we'll save. There are other places we'll be sitting down with the contractor and going, okay, where did you see your risks? How can we, how can we whittle this down? And uh, it'd be working with the contractor to try and whittle it down to where we're within budget. That's, but you will be losing scope, right? Like, I mean, he's not going to come down in price and still give you exactly the same thing. He's going to want to obviously reduce work in order to bring down the cost. Is there a time element to the need for an answer to this request? I can't wait a month. Like, uh, could it could it wait two two weeks? Yeah, probably. But you don't want to put this off for a month decision. Um, this co the contractor that is low bid is currently working on the runway. Uh, my feeling is he's done a really good job so far. Uh, so he, he's been a good contractor to deal with. But his his price is dramatically lower than the other bidders, partly because he's already on site. So if you were to have this conversation with him, he's on site right now. You, this isn't a hotshot trip to Edmonton and book a meeting. He's he's doing the runway lighting right now? Uh, he has performed much of his work, but he continues to come back here for so it's not a, a little bit. it's not a stretch to sit down and work, work through, have that dis discussion with him. It, it's not a... Uh, you're 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 familiar with who the operator is or who the owner is, and you know the engineering staff. And, yeah. Yeah, and well, and our Gimmings consultant, our consultant on this, is very familiar with them as well. Okay. And you couldn't go back to Transport Canada and tell them that we'll we'll uh, vote for the federal party of their choice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell them I'd make it an election issue. No. <laughs> So you're saying that you don't think that we can fully negate this cost. Do you have a ballpark of what you think we could negate on this? If you had to make an educated guess? I think I think you would you could whittle it down to bring it in budget, but you're not going to end up with the same product. Well, you, okay. Right, you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's been specifically designed for your needs and and so you, you know, if we start trying to whittle fifty thousand dollars out of a uh, out of a five hundred thousand dollar project, you're going to get ten percent less somewhere. So, in the total airport scheme of things, do we have any money left from the roof or elsewhere? <laughs> so it might be sixty thousand under budget at this point. Does that include the kitchen stuff? Yeah, I don't want to. I'm coming under budget on that one for sure, but I don't I don't have my numbers there. You know, I didn't think that 60000 was uh, before, before the kitchen stuff. And I'm not using the full amount that you have allowed either. Yeah, so there should be 30000 So, Trent, just again, uh, I guess 
it seems as though this guy is mobilized. He's in Peace River. I would think that would be a, an easy conversation. But even these minuses out of here, it, he, does, does the contractor know anything about these? Um, I had a very brief uh, conversation with him. Okay, so uh, I mean, we didn't talk a lot of detail, but I kind of gave him a heads up that, hey, you're the low bidder, but you're over, the project's over budget, so we may very well be coming back to you to uh, figure out where we could get some savings. Well, I, I guess my feeling is would be just have you go back and have that conversation with them uh, as, as quickly as you can. Uh, yeah, uh, and and we certainly can do that. Uh, and if I don't have direction today, it would mean after we've done that, calling a special meeting uh, to to get it awarded because I don't think it can wait till your September. Well, I, I guess we need to know from administration where we can find fifty thousand dollars. Well, we could use what's left over from the roof project. Uh, right now, I don't know how much that would be. And it won't be 50, right? No, it won't be 50. And then uh, we could see if there's some MSI money somewhere else that we could uh, access. I, I, I don't I think that was a borrowing. Yeah. So... We could go, come back and uh, with a plan on how to finance it, but I can't do that tonight. But, but we're not sure what we're refinancing. I mean, the contractor might come back and maybe he feels like Santa Claus and he'll give us a better price on this stuff. I, I don't believe he'll give you a price without actually deleting some work, right? Like without actually uh, reducing scope somewhere. I mean, he uh, the next close the next closest bid was almost a hundred thousand more. I mean, he it was a pretty a pretty competitive bid. So, how how small a generator can we go down to, and how much money will that save us? Um, not really my area of expertise, but someone told me it's about ten thousand dollars per kilovolt. So, if you went down from seventy five to sixty five, that's ten thousand dollars out of the fifty you're looking for. Right, and so if we went down to 55, that'd be 20,000, 30,000 from the roof project. You got your 50, right? right? But does that really do us good long term? Well, yeah. they were doing getting away with 35k. Yeah, yeah, you also, you also have a trailer parked behind there as an additional <laughs> generator at the moment, too. Right. So how big is that trailer? How, I, how big I don't is that? Know. Well, is, is this one where, where uh, Deputy Mayor, you, you go to council and you say, well, we really only need 50, but we'll ask him for 75. <laughs> like, uh, the, the backup generator is, or this generator is what runs, what, what runs, continues to run at the airport in times of no power. Right. So obviously, you, you know, the minimum is continuing to keep the lights on on the actual runway itself and those kind of stuff. And then you're into, well, what's in the terminal building as part of that? And by going up to the 75 uh, 
kilovolts, it was ho hoped that actually as a provisional item, which we've already taken off the top, uh, there was moving over some of the circuits that uh, that you eventually will want to do that we've already eliminated because it was too expensive in here. But it's things like, uh, you know, currently your your doors don't continue to function. So you can, the plane can land, but the automatic doors don't function. Uh, there's things like the heating systems and, the you, you know, moving all the, that over to backup generator is a desirable thing. Uh, so if we delayed this project till next year when there's an airport, assuming there's a, an airport committee of municipalities running this airport. How how much will how much do you think these costs will increase? It's more whether. Well, then I guess we lose the ground, right? It's it's will the will, will Transport Canada carry it over, and the, they won't like that. Um, I can't say for sure they wouldn't, but. They, they like to spend their exact budget, but they don't like to give more. Doesn't Transport Canada know there's an election going on and they need to hand out money? This generator is also what keeps uh, Nav Canada operating uh, during a power outage. Well, if I spend more money on the airport, this town won't be operating. So, in, after all, if we got the 75 whatever generator, are we selling some old generator out there for anything that would bring us a little income, or is it all going to the recycling? Are we selling any equipment that we're presently using up there that I, we're upgrading with this stuff? There, there, you know, there, you might get a little bit of salvage value, but I wouldn't bank on a lot. No, that's the one behind. There is still an old one actually inside the building. Um, but yeah. I think that's the original when the airport was built, or maybe even before that. <laughs> yeah. they, they are reusing a lot of the equipment, like these costs. The, the, uh, you have some newer uh, light-controlling equipment, and the, that's all moving over into the new building. So, so we, we need to know where we can find some funds. Well, I was just going to say maybe what we need to do is, I don't even know how to word it if we don't know what the value is, but to allow the um, allow it to go over budget for the difference of whatever the roof is going to come in under budget. But if we don't know what that number is, I don't know how we make that motion right now. We could delay a decision, move on to other items, and come back to it. Well... people will probably go over. So what did we say? We said the roof and what, where else, where would we find the other 20,000? MSI. Possibly MSI. No, yeah. The re but what happens is we, we're spending MSI money, which is to sustain our municipality's infrastructure, and we're spending it on an airport that serves the whole region. They need a minimum project of, of 
But the, the it has to be a minimum use of the MSI fund of sixty-five thousand. Not project value and plus if we have a special meeting on the next morning. Critical. Yeah, well, I'm I'm here for. Well, a special I, I I still th I still think you need to have a discussion with the contractor to find out. It, okay, you're going to get less, but what what is it? What does it look like? Like I, you know, so so it comes down forty. So he takes. We don't even know if he's going to take out the recommended stuff that's that's in here well, already. But but Colin, if it's a thousand dollars over, where are we going to get the money? To? I'm saying that it can't be thousand dollars over. I'm saying that Trent go back and negotiate and tell him we had four hundred ninety-one thousand six hundred seventeen dollars and thirty cents, and tell the contractor what do we get. Well, and there's no contingency in that either, right? No. We've got a governance and priorities committee meeting on Wednesday. If we um, call the contractor, Trent, can we do that tomorrow and maybe talk to him tomorrow and get uh, a feeling, and then we'll get the funding together where we're going to fund it from and come back on Wednesday, and perhaps you can have a quick special meeting on Wednesday to address this one issue? Yeah, or... Or next Monday, if it really comes down to it, is how many do we have quorum next Monday? If we have to have a special meeting, who's going to be here next on Monday? Orin was he's a home, hometown boy. He'll be here. Yeah, on Monday. Terry's not here. No, seventeenth is a Friday, isn't it? No, seventeenth is Monday. Okay, yeah, but we we don't have a meeting on the seventeenth. Oh, that's a lack cardinal that night, Your Worship, if maybe you're attending that. Maybe we could get lack cardinal to you. <laughs> maybe, though, like, can't we do it on Wednesday? Yeah, we can do it on Wednesday yeah. if we're here on Wednesday. I can, I, he, he was very eager uh, to get going, so uh, I think he would very much talk to us tomorrow and... Uh, we can try and identify areas that he that he sees as expensive or something. We'll come back with a plan on Wednesday, and then uh, hopefully you can make a decision based on the numbers we have at that point. Okay, so we need a motion to table uh, this particular item, Peace River Airport FEC tender award, to a future date. Who's going to make that motion? Uh, all in favor of Councillor Nina's motion to table this to a future date. Uh, temporary road closure, Tri-River Triathlon. Thanks, Mr. McLaughlin. Uh, yeah, she'll, well. Okay. Uh, now, I, now I'm in my area of expertise. Excellent. <laughs> Leashes for the other one. Uh, again, an annual boilerplate type of type of request for a temporary closure. It's about uh, the block between oh, be about 73rd Avenue and 71st Street. Basically, along in front of the uh, the arena and the pool. They use an assembly area for the running and for the bicycling portion of it. Takes place this Sunday, takes place early morning, minimal traffic disruption. It's been going on as long as I've been doing this. Nothing unusual. Okay. If it's not unusual, somebody want to make a motion to uh, make this temporary fluid closure. All in favor of Councillor Ford's motion? 
Municipal Heritage Designation Application Masonic Lodge. Council, uh, Laura Glure is here for the mu museum court, museum coordinator. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to provide you with information in regards to the following report: our first municipal historic designation <laughs> application. So we're really oh, wow. excited, and a little bit of a learning experience for us also. So yes. next time around, we'll just be able to whiz right through this process. Um, so I'll allow Laura to explain the process that she's brought forward this evening. So we have a uh, heritage management policy, um, which you uh, passed in 2013, to enable town council to pass a bylaw. This is at a municipal level, not at a provincial level. So at a municipal level, you can pass a bylaw that would protect a heritage resource. And the Masonic Lodge is celebrating 100 years this year and want to designate, want you to consider designating their building a municipal heritage resource. So we have um, an application online which they filled out. They, um, it went to the planning department and planning then uh, came to the museum and the Heritage Places Committee. The Heritage Places Committee uh, looked at the application and um, it was one of the buildings that we had inventoried back in the 2010-2013 inventory. So we had a full statement of significance with outlining the character-defining elements, which are, in this case, all external elements, uh, building elements, that uh, we determined to be of uh, architectural and historical significance. So then we had a, a meeting of the Museum Advisory Board uh, as the Heritage Places Committee comes under their purvey. The, the board passed a motion um, recommending that, that they support the designation of the Masonic Lodge Number 89 as a municipal uh, resource, her, uh, historic resource, and that uh, recommend that Town Council proceed with that designation. So our recommendation, um, after looking at the options of, um, of recommending, uh, of designating this building at this time or not designating the building, um, we're, we're recommending that Town Council uh, support the designation and that you begin the process of uh, protecting and enabling uh, that heritage resource. So protecting it um, uh, with a bylaw. And then the bylaw states those specific uh, character-defining elements so that any action in the future uh, that the Masonic Lodge members would want to do would then also have to come before um, the committee and council for approval. 
Any questions of Ms. Glor? I think there's 100% acceptance of the recommendation, but I don't want to prejudge people's votes. <laughs> so. I will. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I would move that we accept the recommendation of the municipal of the museum board to designate the Masonic Lodge number 89 as a municipal historic resource and direct administration to draft a designation bylaw to be presented at the next regular council meeting. Is that sufficient time? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, that's my motion. All in favor, Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion. Okay. Thank you very much. Just before we leave the Heritage Resource, the, the building that's just about to be demolished was built in 1942 by the American Army when oh, they the were stationed Sidorot here. House. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. So hopefully in the future then a process will allow a consideration of its historic uh, value to the, to the municipality. No, no, no. We we, I, we did a, the day of the demolition. We did a, uh, a photo documentation of it. <laughs> yeah, I give the press something to write about if she did. Okay. There's an idea. I didn't right. just going to say, don't give her any idea. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> Well, I see that the vision, the vision, mission, and mandate policy of the museum board is up for review, or they yeah. want uh, our. Uh, what are they looking for? Our approval. Blessing. It's an adoption of the statements within a full policy. We've been using the museum, and the museum board have been using the vision statement, the mission statement, for quite some time and been working on the collections and archival mandates uh, for the last couple of years. Yeah. As per accreditation process for the museum, we do need an adopted policy with these statements. In addition to that process, we have felt administratively it's very important to have these statements um, in a system that's a little bit more difficult to untie very easily. Um, we'd like them to be statements that they're guiding documents, they're guiding statements for the museum staff and for the board. So you don't want those statements to be changed at whim. Uh, so you make the process just ever so little, few extra steps. Hence why the policy is before you this evening. Uh, it includes the vision, mission, and mandates of the Mu Peace River Museum Archives and Mackenzie Centre. So we are requesting the adoption and acceptance of that attached policy. Um, as per the board, the museum board has also reviewed the document and has made a recommendation to council as such. What if we just gave you our benediction? <laughs> I'm not sure that's quite enough. <laughs> but thank you. Okay. Okay, uh, any questions? Okay, um, is anyone willing to make a motion? Uh, I'd put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, to um, that the Town of Peace River Council adopt the presented Peace River Museum Archives and Mackenzie Center vision, mission, and mandates policy as presented. All in favor? Great. Thank you very much. Yeah, welcome.
Ms. Adams, allocation of cemetery plots for the Islamic Center. Um, what you have in front of you is a request for decision with the Peace Country Islamic Center, which came forward a few uh, while back and requested um, a segregated area of the Pleasant View Cemetery, specifically for persons of the Islamic faith. And I've presented three options. Option one is the council does not approve the special allocation of 20 lots. The advantages would be Mount Pleasant Cemetery remains a non-denominational cemetery. The disadvantages, council is perceived to be intolerant of religious beliefs, but there's no financial implications. Option number two, council approves the special allocation of 20 plots contingent upon the receipt of 14000 for the res for the reservation and perpetual care of the 20 plots. Advantages is council is known to be tolerant of religious beliefs. The disadvantage is this decision would open the doors for other religions to ask for special considerations. And the financial implications would there be an additional revenue of $14,000 for this year. In Option three is council approves the special allocation of 20 plots without reservation and perpetual care being required. Um, administration recommends the council approve the special allocation of 20 plots for the Peace River Islamic Center contingent upon the receipt of $14,000 for the reservation and perpetual care and that the location of these plots be at the discretion of administration. Questions? So, right now, are they saying they, they can't bury their people from their faith in our cemetery without these designated plots? Or They want a designated plot because the Islamic religion, um, you have to be facing Mecca upon burial, oh, okay. which is 22 degrees off of our line. So therefore, where we are <coughs> perpendicular to our center, they would have to be off by 22 degrees. Okay. So basically what we've got just wouldn't work for them based on their faith? Correct. Okay. You also mentioned in your notes about um, a cement um, a walkway or something? Runner. So the cost for that would be paid out of the town? Yes, we allocate, um, we're trying to do two runners a year. Have we done any this year? No, we have not. So with the, with the uh, additional triangles that you have to do for the, to accommodate these 20 plots, it actually works out to 22 plots. Well, no, if, I think if you take the north triangle area, I think it might be slightly more than half an extra plot. But I was looking at that, but I think it would be donate 
you wouldn't take that in consideration for the request for perpetual care? Well, I'm losing out on two plots that well, I can sell I don't. for 500 bucks each or something. No. <laughs> I think that's considered goodwill. Oh, okay. I, I mean. Okay. I did not. T I, I noticed that, but I did not actually calculate the area that would be required. Okay. Anyone else have questions? Anyone want to make a... So if we pass this as a motion, are there any major implications we're getting into? Um, you could, it could be opening the door for, let's say, the Jewish community to ask for a special section or the Catholics or... Um, but I think this is the only religion that our cemetery doesn't accommodate just for the layout but I'm not sure so what's the right now there you've got option two and option three which unless I'm missing something are basically identical with the exception of one specifically mentioning the town would incur the cost of the installation of the concrete runner was that was it meant to have two different options there? Or? Yes. Um, one is you're basically asking for the money up front like you do every other person. The right. other one is you're allotting it, the area, and oh, then having them right. as they pass on to pay. And right. that Sorry. allows them to maybe never use it. Yeah, you're right. I missed that. Sorry, my apologies. So were we planning to do other runners within the cemetery? or We plan to do... It's budgeted for approximately two a year. But this, we, I mean, we're not going to, we were, were we planning on different ones that we would then now have to, like, would this be an additional two runners? No, no, no. It oh, okay. Would, we would just take one end of it, and like Ms. Trubb is talking about the triangle, we're going to lose a little bit of a triangle on either end of it. Oh, okay. And that would be the segregated. Okay. So I would... Uh, put forth the motion that um, council approve the special allocation of 20 plots for the Peace River Islamic Center contingent upon the receipt of $14,000 for the reserva reservation and perpetual care and the location of these plots will be at the discretion of the administration. Uh, all in favor of uh, Deputy Mayor Manser's motion? It's a done deal. Thank you. Uh, we're going to skip number uh, seven. Oh, oh, you showed up for that. I, I thought we were going to wait, leave you till the end. Okay, well, we'll uh, do number seven now. Yeah, well, I didn't see her walk in. I thought she was busy working on... Uh, number nine? On, yeah, on number nine. All right, so number seven is the Downtown Revitalization Grant Program. Uh, before you, you have the Downtown Revitalization Grant Policy, which administration has been working to develop for the better part of this year. Um, the policy went to Council at the Priority and Governance meeting in June. Since that time, we have consulted with the community to see if we got 
they had any feedback for us on the policy. So basically what the policy does is provide a grant that is similar in scale to the increase in property tax that uh, a property within the downtown might have if uh, they, when they undertake some improvements and that increase in property tax rate is based on their assessment. And the grant would be uh, starting off at 100% of that increased property tax levy and would then for year two and three decrease to uh, 50 and then 25%, right? <laughs> yes, it would. So the, after discussing the policy in June with council, uh, we posted the draft policy on the town website. It also went onto Facebook. It uh, went across um, 2,531 news feeds. It was liked by 22 people. We also had 280 visits on the website to the policy. We shared it specifically with Rotary and with the town chamber. And uh, we did not get much feedback except for one comment on Facebook and one submitted grant application. So we also uh, mailed out the policy to 285 downtown property owners. So the policy has come back before you. We did make one small change to the text where we changed the date in policy 7.1.6 from December 8th, 2015 to December 8th, 2014. The 2015 was simply a typo, and I believe council's intent is met by changing the date to 2014. So uh, administration recommends at this time that uh, council advise of any changes you might want to see to the policy or otherwise to approve the, uh, the downtown revitalization grant program policy. So no real comments and... Uh, Chamber of Commerce. We double-checked twice to make sure they had received it, but we did not get any formal feedback from them. And no comments on the minimum uh, as increase in assessment of 50000 or twenty-five or 100 No. Nope. Okay. So they would have to uh, have increased assessment by 50000 So even if they spend a million bucks and it only goes up by 25000 too bad they don't qualify. 50000 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, twenty-five. Yeah. And um, the other thing is they still pay the regular education taxes and whatever other taxes, just the municipal portion. That's correct. Okay. And we already got an application. We did already get an application, which I'll be passing on to our CIO for her review. Okay. I would also like to point out that when we sent out the draft, the application was still a little bit in draft form, and administration will likely tweak the application form to make sure that it's as usable as possible for both us and the applicants. Okay. So I just, as a... I, I like what I see, uh, Alicia, uh, just in the proactive department, and you've got one application. So um, I know there's a new restaurant being developed. Uh, so is the plan to somebody to hand deliver one of these things over there and say to the new owner, um, you're an applicant? Or, or <laughs> what, what sorts of other things are we doing uh, in terms of advertising? Or are we done? 
Well, certainly I would suggest that it would be a good idea for us to have this on our website and to try and work with your communications coordinator to have some advertising. I don't know if you want to hand deliver because that does set a precedent. That it, it, was a figure, it was a figure of speech. Yeah. yeah, but certainly we should probably talk about ways to make this uh, okay. very obvious to landowners. Right. Good. All right. Fair enough. Just a quick question. Uh, you said that this did make it to, and we double-checked that it did make it to the chamber. Do we know if it ever made it on their agenda? Maybe it's so well crafted there was no need to make any comments on it. Okay. So uh, all you're looking now is to a motion to adopt this policy, is that right? To approve it, yes. To approve this policy. Okay. Who wants to do the honors? I'll do it, Your Worship. Okay. Uh, so I guess uh, the motion would be to accept the recommendation of administration to approve the downtown revitalization grant program policy. Okay. All, all in favor of Councillor Menke's motion. And then we, uh, we've done eight, so you're right in line for nine. Okay, so number nine is... A request for decision on downtown beautification and an update to the downtown renewal report implementation. So this comes to you based on administration's suspicion that council would like to see some resources put towards downtown beautification in addition to the strategic initiatives outlined in your strategic plan. So we have been working towards the development of incentives to attract businesses and residents to the downtown. That is the item we just uh, discussed previously at this meeting. And we've also done a lot of research towards the development of disincentives to discourage shuttered, vacant, abandoned, and derelict buildings in the downtown. Unfortunately, much of our research has suggested that it's very difficult for council to address this problem in a way that actually works within your jurisdiction. So we have thought that perhaps a third prong working on the downtown's aesthetics would be uh, an approach the council would like to take. And we also need to, when we're considering this, look at the 2009 uh, report that the town had done, which is called Enhancing Downtown Renewal and Tourism in Peace River, Alberta, which was done by Avi Friedman Consultants. So what the RFD is before you is basically a has two prongs. First, the downtown beautification, and secondly, a report on the implementation of that report. That is too many reports. So the first section, downtown beautification, uh, town administration has identified that approximately $50,000 out of the community economic development budget is not going to get used this year. So if council so chooses, you could choose to allocate that money towards some downtown beautification. <laughs> well, we're not going to spend our economic development money in the airport. <laughs> okay. So uh, what we've done here is just taken a look at what we actually have 
easy control over. So the downtown is really separated into two main areas, the public realm, be it our streets, sidewalks, and parks, and the private realm, which is comprised of our privately owned buildings and lands. And we have limited ability to influence the private realm within the downtown based on both the town's ability and willingness and uh, the landowner's ability and willingness to work together towards uh, beautification of the private realm. But we do have the opportunity to directly influence the public realm. And a lot of that is uh, comprised of street furniture, public art, and potentially decorations. So table... The table, actually it's table one, not table five, summarizes the street furniture that we have today. This is just along Main Street. So most of the street furniture we have is light standards, garbage bins, benches, utility boxes, bike parking, uh, trees, and murals. And we have one mural today on the town office. And then we get into table two, which summarizes basically a laundry list of public uh, street furniture, public art, and decorations that we could choose to invest in as a town to help enhance the downtown. So these are uh, light post banners and brackets, which we have costed out. There would be an option of installing the banners throughout the downtown, primarily on Main Street. It could be one banner per light post, two banners per light post. It could be every light post, alternating light posts only around intersections. We haven't worked out the exact details, but this would be uh, a treatment that would have a pretty significant visual impact on Main Street. There's also adding some more benches to our stock. We currently have four in the town shop that we can put out, but we, if you count the number of uh, bet or count the number of blocks that we have in along the main street. If we were to purchase an additional six, then we could average two benches per block. In terms of garbage bins, we currently have some garbage bins that are part of a previous downtown beautification design. We'd like to repurpose those as planters and then purchase some garbage bins that reference both the bench and light post design, which is essentially a black wrought iron design. And, um, they would have lids that would help mitigate against birds going into the garbages or the garbages being impacted by rain or snow. Then we also have, uh, currently we have four street trees along Main Street, and it would be nice to take advantage of the electrical infrastructure that are, is around those trees and light them particularly during the darker parts of the year. So we'd like to propose purchasing some outdoor lights. We also have center islands along the uh, northmost section of Main Street that have landscaping during the summer but are empty during the winter. So one proposal is to put some commercial-grade Christmas trees in them in the winter. It would be one, ideally one tree per grouping, and there are actually 10 groupings, which is probably not more than everybody thinks, but when I counted them, there are 10. So we'd put those, and they are also electrified, so the idea would be to have the lights lit, have those lit throughout the winter, and we would leave them for basically from October to March so that they're not just a Christmas component, but they add greenery and light to the downtown throughout our wintry season. Then there is bike parking. Right now we have some bike parking along Main Street, but we could add more. If we purchase 10, we've got two per block to place. 
And then we also have utility box wraps. Obviously, we're working towards wrapping some utility boxes in Lower West Peace. We might be able to piggyback onto that and do a bit of utility box wrapping on Main Street as well. And then, as I've mentioned, the next table shows some of the repair items. So we do have electrical infrastructure in our street trees, but it does need some work to make sure that it's ready to go again. And then we would repurpose the, the current uh, garbage bins that we have along Main Street. Then the other item that's come up numerous times in conversation has been discuss discussion around murals. So we've done a bit of research now, and we think we have a st steps forward to make a mural project happen. Uh, first of all, we'd obviously want funds allocated to that project so that we know what we're dealing with in terms of resources. And then we'd have to work with community businesses to identify who would be willing to participate because this would be one of those instances where we have to work with private partners to, uh, to find a wall where they're willing to allow us to place art. From there, we'd have to determine topic. The op there's an option to go historical, which many communities do, or to do something more modern and graphic and try and leave it up to the artist to make a proposal to the town as to what they would like to put onto the wall. Once we had those details down, we could prepare a call for artists, which would be placed on the Alberta Purchasing Connection, and hopefully we would get some applications from that. And then once we select an artist, we would work towards having the mural designed and installed along whichever wall it was on Main Street. Uh, table 3, which is on the next page, points out many of the more high-profile empty walls along Main Street. And so if Council has the ability to tonight provide some direction as to which walls might be a priority. The other option would be for us to essentially put a letter out to the private business community saying this is what we're aiming to do. If you'd like to be, if you'd like to participate, then, you know, signal to us that you'd be a willing uh, partner in that and we can try and work towards that. So do you think we could stretch our mural dollar further if, do you, uh, if, if it was a sort of a matching dollar type of approach, yeah, you you give us the wall, we'll pay for half the cost of the mural because obviously it's it's beautifying their their uh, their building. You think that's doable? Or? We could float that option and see if that gets traction with the property owners. The locations that are in this graph already, have have any of them been approached yet? or No, I wanted council direction before I did that. Okay, because I know that for sure one of the owners has talked to me about having a mural on their business. So. Okay. okay. So we've already got one volunteer. I didn't even know that. Great. <laughs> so, so when murals are painted on these stucco-type walls or brick or whatever, what is their lifespan usually considered to be? I don't know the answer to that question. I do know, however, that I was talking to the city of Lacombe, where they have a good number of murals, and the woman I was talking to recommended that we actually use this product called Dye Bond, which is basically an aluminum sheet to paint our murals onto instead, because she says that they it does last much longer. So then the sheet gets stuck to the wall or attached? Exactly. Yeah, it gets attached to the wall. And that also means it has some other advantages. It means you can, paint, do it. you can paint inside. Yeah. Uh, you could move it if, for example, a building gets redeveloped or 
you know, a neighbor gets put up, something like that, you can move the mural. So there's a number of potential uses for that rather than just going directly onto stucco or brick or cement block. Mm -hmm. So the, it's, it's a little more costly. But the advantage of putting it on a panel of some sort is we don't have to have people up on high ladders other than the installer, right? That's right. Depending on who. Okay. So then moving on to uh, the second part of this RFD, it's just the update on the downtown renewal report. So what I've done here is pulled from the report action items. They had it separated out into uh, four phases. And so the column on the left of table four is the, literally the action items that were in the report. And then the column on the right is progress or constraints with respect to that item. So we have made progress on some items. And there are others where additional dis direction from council and resources would be required before the town could move forward towards further implementation. There are also some items where the town may not want to go there based on strategic competition with private developers or in some cases also just our jurisdictional ability to do this. One of the limitations of working with a consultant from another jurisdiction is they might not be as familiar with the MGA and there are a few items where we simply don't have the ability to do it or the town doesn't have something in place like a density bonusing policy which works more in a, a real highly urbanized setting rather than a small town. So I, I don't know how council... We're well on our way to being a city, Ms. <laughs> <this> Modi. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I don't know if council wants me to go through every single item, but uh, no, okay. essentially if council would like to proceed on any one of these items, then it would be my recommendation that you make a specific motion with respect to, to one or many, keeping in mind that they all require time, staff, and budget. <laughs> well, we got the economic development budget, so... Uh, so only, only some of these things were in U.S. dollars, too, that's right. the estimates, right? Yes. So you're saying when we sell empty lots for a for dollar, you actually mean a dollar twenty-five? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can't sell the empty lots for a dollar? Fair market value. Yeah, I believe the MGA, yeah, says fair market value for selling of land. But if we were in Saskatchewan, we could sell it for a dollar. <laughs> so in terms of the if recommendation that, that's not true because the, if you read that McLean article there was an example in there from Alberta yes Mondaire did do it and did they get into trouble for it not to my knowledge oh. it, it all depends on who 
friends. Well. That being said, I don't also know the success of the program in Mundare. Oh. But Mundare also did an Abby Friedman report, right? They did do an Abby Friedman report. And you said that they implemented pretty well all of it. They implemented the design recommendations. I believe that at that time when they did their report, they also accessed a grant that is no longer available to actually complete the streetscape improvements that were recommended. Mm-hmm. So they got in at the right moment. So what would you say are the easiest things to do? Put the benches out kind of thing? Well, in terms of the recommendations, I would suggest uh, that uh, we allocate, if council chooses, $50,000 or another amount of your choosing uh, to the areas that I've listed below in priority order. So a mural, the banners and brackets, because I do believe that will have a high impact visually. Uh, The trees within the medians as number three. A repair of the electrical for the street trees that we have and the tree lights to take advantage of the fact that we repaired the electrical. Uh, then the garbage and recycling bins, benches, bike parking, and the utility box covers. So we'll get as much of that done as possible. That list is definitely in excess of $50,000. We cannot get it all done this year. Uh, and if council wanted to see further progress on that, then my recommendation would be to include a line item in the next budget to continue to allocate funds towards that type of project. So where would 50000 take us to? It would definitely... You're probably going to start to run out around garbage. I think you can get all the way to tree lights. And then after that, the garbage cans are actually quite a significant cost. So that's definitely around the spot where we would not get to this year. Meaning we'd run out of $50,000 before we finish the list? Yes, okay. definitely. We'd probably get to E. Okay. But that being said, some of those quotes are in U.S. dollars, and they don't include the uh, the shipping and handling at this point. So when we get the details and the exchange rate done, we might run out a little bit earlier. And some of this, the maintenance department would be doing... In terms of installation. So they've got time enough to do that too? We have had a conversation with with Butch in hopes that they would be willing to take that on, yes. Well, if they wanted $50,000 for their generator at the airport. (laughs) 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 Okay. So, okay. Go ahead. Well, I would put a motion forward that um, who administration be directed to use up to $50,000 from the budgeted economic development funds for this list of projects as far as 50000 would go in the 2015 budget. So does that include a mural or not? Mural's at the top of the list. Yeah. Excellent. So I think that what we should do is... Um, so we're going to be 100 years old in 2019, not, not as individuals. But. So we should already, well, yeah, we need to. Uh, so I'm thinking that there would be a series of murals 
No, we don't. We won't have the money to do everything right on, on January 1st, 19, no, 2019. So I, I'd like to see an overall, um, pretty well a five-year plan to uh, um, beautify downtown as part of our downtown revitalization. And I'd like to see murals as a big part of it. And I'm thinking uh, maybe we can get the businesses to go 50-50 on some of these murals or a lot of these murals. Maybe just and um, yeah, put in a five-year plan. I know I won't be here in 2019, but uh, but we don't want to leave the next uh, town council trying to do everything in the space of a year or something like that. So no. I have one question though: if we've got a couple of benches in the stockpile, why wouldn't we put them? higher up in the priority and put them out, like maybe not all the benches, but a couple we've got. Right, yes. We can We can definitely do that for the resources that we already have in the public works yard. Uh, that was a nice job in between here and Panago Pizza. Yeah, I think that was well done. Yeah, so we got a motion, but if you can also, um, well, let's vote on that motion. So all in favor of Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion? I'm wondering if we could have a motion to direct administration to develop a, is it a four or five year? So where is 2019? We're in 15. So a three-year plan or four-year plan to, to, uh, to beautify downtown and prepare the town to celebrate its 100th anniversary. I, I, that, well, I can't make a motion, so. So is that sort of covering off the second recommendation, which is the public realm line in the 2016 budget? Yeah, I think so. So basically what we're asking them to do is actually provide that line item in the next four-year budgets. Three years, yeah, basically, three yeah. years of budget, 16, 17. And what they want to do with 18. how they want to do it, yeah. For the public realm line item, I specifically said public realm and not downtown public realm oh. because you could potentially extend this to other parts of town. Where we put sidewalks in on the West Hill, but we don't have benches or garbage cans. Or where you haven't even put sidewalks in on the West Hill. Yeah. But we do have some sidewalks there. Or we don't have any receptacles or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so that that's throwing yeah. a, a different spin on well, this. Well, it does, and then we started to lose focus. So, uh, yeah. I think maybe, well, personally, I'd like to see us focus in downtown and, and revitalize that and then think about putting benches and garbage cans in so directing administration to put a line item with a plan with an actual like provide us provide us with a plan for the 2016 budget to be carried through to the 2018 budget inclusive um, that will focus on uh, the aesthetics of downtown revitalization that sounds good I think that gives you enough of a mandate Money? Yes. 
And you can hire Ms. Bench when she retires as a consultant. <laughs> Okay, great. Okay, uh, all in favor of Councillor Benke's motion? Good. And there's one more, I guess, here. Oh. The direction to initiate the mural process. Okay, I would put a motion on the table to um, direct administration to initiate the mural process. Does Council have... direction in particular that you'd like to go in terms of location do you just want to put it out there into the business community and see who comes forward to yeah okay now if they come forward are we dictating the theme of those murals or are they saying i'll put a mural up on my building but it has to be such and such at this point i think that's an open conversation so the dads and lads one, so that would be the wall that faces those little two used to be ice cream things or whatever. That's right. Okay. Did someone own that lot, or do we own that lot? In, or it's is that privately a, held. So that ice cream shop that never opens, uh, that that belongs to the landowner. We can't say that again, Mr. Smith. So is there anything else you need to make downtown beautiful, Ms. Money? What, <laughs> what other resources do you need? I think this will keep me busy for a little while, but okay. I can't promise I won't come back. Okay. Yeah, don't be a stranger. Okay. Just as a small point, those, those Christmas lights that are in your briefing note, yeah. that that's really, really, really old technology. So make sure they're the new LED ones. <laughs> okay. I will make sure they're LED. Otherwise, you'll get grilled by Councillor Ford. <laughs> Just to note, however, that I think the LED lights are more expensive. Cost is not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Okay. Super. So that, now we're going to get a public auction of land reserve bid. So this is the one dollar lots or what? Yeah. No. <laughs> Not even that. So under the municipal oops. Under the Municipal Government Act, every uh, year when there's a um, public sale of land from the tax arrears list, council must set the uh, actual selling price and it must be as close as reasonably possible to the market value of the parcel. So the MGA dictates that you can't sell the lots for a dollar. So this year we have one property that's on the tax arrears list from last year. So it will go to public auction on 
September 18th, I believe. Okay, September 10th, that's the date. And uh, it's administration's recommendation that the uh, reserve bid price uh, of $18,630 be set. That is the assessed value that the town's assessor has placed on that property. So where is this piece of property? It's in the south end of town, um, below the old forestry property. Oh, okay. Sorry? Is, is it developable, like, or is it, is it, like, I'm thinking behind that, or below that, is it, hill, it's all hill there? I don't believe it's developable, but I have not checked that. Oh, okay. So this ad that's here in the Alberta Gazette, that ad has already run? That ad has run and it will run in the Record Gazette, uh, I believe, in the coming weeks. There's a timeline that it has to run in. It can't be before a certain timeline and it can't be after, so it has to be within a short window of time. So the ad runs, but we don't, but the reserve bid is obvious, is not? The reserve bid is public and it becomes uh, the bid that we won't go below when the auction takes place on the September oh, 10th. so it's a live it, type it's, auction. It's not it's a It's a, a live big, auction, oh. and people will come and offer money. Oh, okay. Okay, because I thought it was weird that we were setting it now when the ad is already run, but I follow what you're yeah. saying now. Okay. That's the least amount of money we'll take for it. So would you like to make a motion on that, then, Ms. Mitch? I mean... Ms. Becky. You want Yeah, I'll make a motion on that, Your Worship, to accept the recommendation of administration uh, to set the re reserve bid as follows for Lot 12, Block 5, Plan 4877-TR, reserve bid of 18630. Um, do, they, do they need to be separate motions, Renee, or can they all be the same? So then to appoint the acting CAO as the auctioneer and that administration be authorized to take title to the subject property if it's not sold at the public auction and add the property to the list of town-owned properties for sale. All in favor of Councillor Brinke's motion? Agreed. Okay, so then uh, that takes us to meetings with ministers at AUM. Oh, one more on this item? Okay, meetings with ministers at AUMA, September 22, 26, 2015 in Calgary. No, there's no briefing note in this one. Uh, Deputy Mayor Menzer has requested this topic to be brought to this meeting. Oh, yeah, okay. So the question is, are we requesting meetings with the ministers to advocate for various things? And if so, which ministers and what topics? So, I don't have any topics. the twinning of the bridge still comes to mind okay. for transportation. Um, at this Northern Elected Leaders uh, seminar or meeting I was at today, uh, MSI f operating funding was mentioned. Um, basically, it's not too predictable and it's becoming less and less. So, I don't know which minister that would be directed to. Infrastructure? Maybe. Well, MSI was being handled by Municipal Affairs. Okay, so 
you know, they direct us more to grants that are kind of regional in nature, go there rather than giving us MMSI or MSI monies. So I don't know if you agree with that or not, but, you know, we would have to talk it up somehow, rather. The grant in lieu for low-income and senior self-contained housing, we're not totally really sure if that's back in the books, off the books, or there's a letter in the... I see there's a letter to that effect in the information item, so it would make sense to follow up. Uh, it's listed as uh, a letter in the information where the, the minister is just... I think her reply is... or. That it's being considered in uh, budget deliberations because of the impact, but but that would certainly be a good one to meet with them municipal affairs on. It's it's the grants in lieu of. Yeah, that might be a topic to discuss on Friday with the minister of finance. I I, d I didn't know we got an invite to that. I thought it was all chamber of commerce. Okay. So we might want to try and set up a meeting with them as well. Um, the other one that comes to mind. Um, do we want a meeting with the RCMP in Edmonton, their higher-ups, or, you know, are we doing quite okay with what we're doing with our local peoples? Something we need to decide about and make an appointment or not. The medical clinic is another one that comes to mind. It seems to be up in the air w waiting for their budget deliberations. So Minister of Health. Yep. And I don't know, like, other people? Are you going to attend the UMA this year? You could retire like Mr. Needham. So who else do you want to see at AUMA, Mr. Needham? Ms. Benke? Did you have Pat's Creek on there for transportation? Nope. You might want to talk about that. What about the Minister of the Environment? Any need for that? Okay. Take that as a no. So, uh, so I guess... You want to make a motion, Deputy Mayor, to direct administration to set up meetings for council at AUMA with the Minister of Transportation, Minister of Municipal Affairs, and the Minister of Health. Right, and if possible, some briefing notes about town peculiarities as to what we want to say. So and yes, I'm making that motion. Okay. So you're going to read that motion back to me, Mr. Lanza? <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually quite one, probably one of the easier ones all night. Uh, Deputy Mayor Menzer moved to direct administration to set up meetings for council at the AMA conference with ministers of transportation, municipal affairs, and minister of health. And then later on, I will add their names because, frankly, right. I don't and remember their names right now. And, uh, and, and the... The addendum she put on there was, and with uh, briefing, with, with, brief. with uh, to include uh, briefing notes. Yeah, with uh, okay. briefing notes for the uh, subject matters okay. for the for the agenda items. 
All in favor of Deputy Mayor Madsen's motion. Great, great. So uh, then we've got removal of reserve designation. Oops. Back in uh, April, uh, sorry, in May, we came to council with a prospective uh, property that could be utilized for a new shop location. One of those lots is a reserve lot, and under the Municipal Government Act, Council has to hold a public hearing in order to be able to remove that uh, reserve designation from that particular lot. So uh, Council is requested to set a public hearing date um, for September 8th to uh, remove the reserve designation from lot R2 Plan 3761HW. That's the lot up uh, on Weberville Road. Great. Okay. Somebody want to make a motion on that? Okay. Councillor Needham is making a motion to... The, uh, the motion is noted, and uh, I would make uh, my motion uh, as administration has presented it. Okay. Uh, all in favor of Councillor Needham's motion? So could I just ask a question about the notes here? So there's a chart, and there's an amount of about $250,000. So does that mean the town is going to have to transfer that into off-site levy reserve somehow or other? Or? That's correct. The off-site levies are due on that lot. Well, it's good we're paying ourselves for future endeavors. It's still a lot cheaper than purchasing land. So how do we track that? We pay ourselves? We have to pay the off-site levies just like everyone else. <laughs> okay, that uh, finishes off new business. Um, there are... Uh, Reports, we have check registries for July 8th, July 17th, July 20th, July 27th, and August 5th. Uh, the PDFs are attached. Are there any questions that councillors have on those check registries? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll do the check registry, and then we'll actually jump back to... I understand the information has... Uh, arrived regarding Peace River Airport FEC tender awards. So uh, once we uh, go through these, the check registry, we'll jump back to item, um, I think it's 8.1. So, Mr. Mayor, I would put a motion on the floor that we accept the check registries of July 8th, July 17th, July 20th, July 27th, and August 5th as presented. Okay, all in favor of uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion? Great. So uh, allow me to uh, jump back to uh, Peace River Airport FEC tender award. Uh, some new information has, uh, has come to light, so... Um, Will Ms. Adams re uh, present this information, or are you going to present the information? Okay. 
Okay. So Sandy found the money in her back pocket. <laughs> Again. <laughs> From the roof. From roof the roof replacement project. project. Isn't that your contingency? It is. <laughs> and does that include the the restaurant stove thing? Yep. The stove and the freezer that was purchased. A little bit of electrical work, some hoses and gas fittings and such. Okay. So what do you need from us now then? Um so, uh, based on the the town uh, funding forty eight thousand five hundred and twelve dollars of the project, uh, I'd request that you make a motion to award to Signal Electric in an amount not exceeding four hundred ninety one thousand six seventeen, uh, with uh, deletions recommended by uh, Transport Canada. Uh, and also subject to the approval of Transport Canada. Okay, who wants to make that motion? Okay, uh, Councillor Needham would like to make that motion. I would put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, that we award a contract in the amount of $491,617.30 to... Uh, the name of the company is Gibbons, I believe. No, Signal Electric. Signal Link. Electric. See if I can get the name right. For the uh, completion of the uh, airport project known as the FEC project. Well, I think it was to award the contract uh, not to exceed. Not to exceed 491 And, and 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 I, I guess it's, it's also been pointed out to me that the, the motion should also uh, note that uh, the award is subject to uh, a number of deletions uh, by the contractor and approval of Transport Canada as well. Is that is that how you want the motion? Yes, uh, because the you know the the tendered value was. Uh, Five hundred and five forty nine seven forty two. So we're taking the deletions into account that Transport Canada recommended. Right. That, that brings us down to four ninety one. So the contractor does have to agree to that. So we need to. That's why I want your motion to say, enter into a contract not exceeding that value. So right. base if if for some reason the contractor doesn't agree, I'll be having to come back to you. Right. So you don't even need the Transport Canada stuff. Um, we say not to exceed. Well, just because the money's coming from Transport okay. Canada, your your recommendation should always be subject to their uh, approval. Because if all of a sudden they said no for whatever reason, uh, they're the funding partner, right? So, Mr. Whitesaw, can you read back the motion? Um, Councillor Needham moved to award the contract which is not to exceed 491-617-30 to Signal Electric for the completion of the airport project known as FEC 
The award is subject to the relations with contractor and approval of Transport Canada. The, 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 say the last sentence again. The award is subject to deletions by contractor and approval of Transport Canada. Yeah, that's not what you want. The that's contract. not yeah, right. I, I, I would say uh, oh, okay. the, Yes, it's subject to the deletions recommended by Transport Canada. Thank you. The, the contract shall be subject to the deletions recommended by Transport Canada. Okay. So, have you agreed that's your motion, Mr. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad there's six of us that it took to do this motion. I, I don't feel quite so incompetent, but uh, I think we better vote on it quick. Okay. All in favor? Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, everybody. Councillors' reports. Um, I don't have a list of meetings that people went to, so uh, maybe we'll go old school and uh, we'll start off you, with you, Deputy Mayor Manzer, since you're so well organized. I think in uh, July we kind of had a break, but we kind of didn't. So we, several council members, attended uh, various. Um, photo opportunities with Northern uh, Sunrise to celebrate our spending of some funds from the Joint Capital Plan. So that included the 12-foot Davis Events Park, the uh, daycare and the skate park. I also attended a um, Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance meeting in McLennan. And um, part of that was a celebration that we, well, the powers that be in that group have finished um, two of their documents and they are a state of the watershed report and an executive summary which is only a few pages. So all councillors in the region that served by the peace will be getting a copy of those two documents and are asked to please share it with members of their community who might be interested. And our next step is looking at the integrated water management plan, and that's a fairly big undertaking, so not sure how long they have to do that. And I think that was it for me. Okay. Councillor Mickey? Uh, the only meetings I had in the month of July were uh, the regular scheduled council meetings uh, that took place that month that I think everybody pretty much attended, and uh, I was able to attend two of the three photo ops. I don't think I have anything to add to the uh, to that uh, because I think at the last meeting we mentioned that uh, the airport committee had uh, had met in what, early July and uh, there's another meeting on August 24th and we hope to uh, to uh, establish a, an airport committee that will. Uh, an airport group that will have governance for the Peace River Airport. And hopefully that's where we'll find some <laughs> extra monies for the budget. <laughs> uh, and uh, I understand I'm pinch hitting for Terry at the Light Cardinal. What would be, um, 
He mentioned it at the last meeting, and I thought you had said you would attend. Yeah. So. I attended the uh, regular meetings that uh, Councillor Benke had mentioned, and I have no committee reports this month. Councillor Needham. Uh, my report is equally short, a uh, couple of photo opportunities and summer vacation, and uh, um, I will just leave it at that. Okay, great. Okay, so then we have information items. Are there any, uh, rather than go through through each one in excruciating detail, are there items that um, one or more councillors would like to highlight? I'm thinking, Councillor Benke, you might want to highlight the Recreation Facility Committee, which you attended, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I did. So this, well, the information item is that the Northern Sunrise County um, had elected to put two participants in that um, committee, but we did meet last week I believe it was and we're going to meet following um, the counties and MDs next council meeting so basically what we've asked is for every uh, council to come back with their top five um, requests for indoor facilities within a uh, larger scale rec facility be it um, fitness centers, walking tracks, climbing walls, courts, whatever it is that they feel, taking into consideration obviously the situational analysis that we all did, what each community's top five items are, um, and bring them back to the next meeting and they will be discussed at that time and hopefully we can get some kind of a direction going with the group around the table. Um, there was some confusion as to the purpose of the meeting. Some people felt that it was uh, a review of the situational analysis, while others felt um, that it was more uh, specific, which was our intent, was that it be a specific meeting about um, moving forward with some type of a facility or not moving forward, as the case may be. Um, so we seem to have kind of cleared that up, and hopefully at the next meeting we'll have a little bit more direction as to um, who's interested and what their qualifications are that need to be met in order for them to move forward, whether it's a location question, whether it's a type of facility question or what have you. So hopefully we'll have those answers um, at the next meeting. Oh, great. So uh, when will the next meeting be? You know, I put that in my phone. I think we gave everybody a week. Who, uh, who chairs the committee, uh, um, We actually did not approve the terms of reference at the last meeting. We tabled it. So Terry took primarily, well, I guess Terry and I both took the meeting um, on Wednesday night. And then the discussion was that uh, because there was some clarification required as to what everybody had different interpretations of what that meeting actually meant, we would review it and um, sort of tackle terms of reference at the next meeting um, and sort of formalized the structure at that point once we kind of had a better direction uh, from everybody. And I'm trying to find the date. Just roughly, middle of August or end of August? Yeah, I think it was the 20. I think it was following. Sorry, originally we were going to give. Oh yeah, originally we were going to give everybody a week, but then um, some of the councils don't meet until the third week of August, so we're actually doing it 6:30 on August 26th. Just 
curious, uh, you know, the fact that we asked our residents to put money aside to a, uh, a capital reserve fund for a recreation facility is no small, uh, no small task. I mean, I, it's remarkable that, uh, and I'm pleased we be able to go that far. I guess my question is, so do the partners at that table understand the level of commitment that we've made and we're serious about doing something? I, and we're, we're, I guess we're talking about the something, but do they understand that or has it come up or did yeah. you have an opportunity to um, to sort of talk in general sense? About we didn't talk funding models uh, at all. Um, we did express, as everybody is painfully aware, um, the town's position in terms of where we sit okay. with our current infrastructure, with our arena. Um, so that horse was beat <laughs> fairly significantly at that meeting. And it really, it was, I mean, everybody's aware of the situation we're in. The problem that we're getting is, is that if we're building an arena, just an arena, um, some of the municipalities feel that that's a very tough sell for their ratepayers. They feel in order to be able to sell it to their ratepayers, it needs to be more than just an arena in the town of Peace River. So that's really where the discussion was focused, was how, what does this look like? How do they sell it to their ratepayers? Um, what's it going to cost and where is it going to go? Is um, So there's still a lot of discussion that needs to happen. Um, cautiously optimistic that everybody around the table wants to see something happen, but again, it's going to depend on what, what the other councils can bring back. Okay. All right. Well, th no, I just, uh, yeah, thank you. That, uh, Have you uh, uh, come to a conclusion as to what Peace River will put forward as its top five indoor? When Well, Tanya and Terry and I talked about that briefly. The situational analysis specific to Peace River really kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, it was the walking track, the arena, um, the indoor child play space, um, uh, yeah, climbing wall was number five or on the list, and then the, I can't remember. There was one more. There, there was one more indoor facility that I'm forgetting right now. But pretty well, the top five indoor um, facilities that were brought up in uh, field house, yeah, brought up in the situational analysis were sort of the five focuses the town had. So. I think one thing, though, that we can, that we should be impressing upon um, anybody that we're talking to is that um, the situational analysis focused on the status quo, meaning we have to maintain the minimum that we have right now. So we need whatever it is, the five ice surfaces or four ice surfaces that we have right now. It may not have indicated an, em an emergent need for a second ice surface or an additional ice surface in the region, but it definitely indicated the maintenance of the ones that we've got. So we can't afford to lose one of those ice surfaces. If we do, the other facilities cannot absorb it. There seems to be a little bit of confusion there as to whether or not that's actually the case. And from what I can read from that analysis and from what we're hearing from Tanya and everybody else in the region, if we lose our ice surface and we don't have anything to replace it with, the region can't absorb that um, that ice time. There's not enough facility or time in the appropriate slots in order to take on uh, piece over minor hockey, figure skating, junior B, all of that kind of stuff, the speed skaters. And the pension plan of hundreds of parents will be going down the tubes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Okay, so that, yeah, that was good. 
Um, and uh, there's Alberta Municipal Affairs Small Community Fund. So there was some confusion about how much. So we're so it's a three million dollar fund, and we out of that fund, which is administered by the uh, provincial and and is it just the provincial government? We got one hundred eighty seven thousand odd dollars this year. It's a total of six million that we're getting over five years. Okay. So they're not giving a commitment as to how much they're going to give us each year. That will be dependent on how much funds they have available. They have committed to that amount of money. Yeah, but, but that's their pot, six million. Is that right? No, or that's we? our. We're getting six million. Well, can we build an arena for that? <laughs> if you can call it a sanitary sewer main. <laughs> can we so, just recycle the water or something? <laughs> so, Mrs. Bench, will the administration be coming up with sort of a priority list, or there already is one for that money? We're working on a uh, plan as to how we're going to implement it because we have to upfront the money. So we're trying to... Uh, <laughs> We will get the money back, so we're developing the plan and the, um, how to work the finances to get. But it's over it. six or five it's years. It's over five years. And you don't know how much we're getting each year, so it's kind of. We will get all the money back over the five years, but we don't know how much in each year. So we are upfronting a lot of this money prior to getting it back. So we have to spend it in order to get it back. Possibly, but there's no guarantees on that. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, Alberta Municipal Affairs MSI letter. Um, and this one was, did I get this wrong? So... Uh, so that's just telling us how much money we're going to get from MSI funding in uh, the 2015-16 budget from the province. Okay, so this is much less than we were counting on, is that right? I think it's a little bit more is what Ellen uh, is telling me, not a whole lot, not enough to build an arena with. <laughs> Fieldhouse? How about one team dressing room? <laughs> uh, office of the Minister of Health, of Health and Office of Minister of Seniors. Is that worth noteworthy? That would be you an item. You we, have that portfolio, don't you? I, I handle that portfolio. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, yes, I do. And <clears throat> Should I refer to it as a file? That way I would <laughs> signify the importance of the item. Yeah, that file. Uh, I, I think as Deputy Manzer suggested, when we meet with Municipal Affairs, that uh, that could be an item of discussion along with uh, um, uh, other items under Municipal Affairs. Uh, that that would be uh, that would be uh, something that we could certainly talk to the minister about. Okay. Along with a hotel levy tax as well, but uh, um, we'll we'll cover that off at a later time. Uh, 
there probably is, is there any need to uh, touch on the board meeting synopsis for North Peace Housing? I, I don't need to touch on it. Okay. And uh, Mr. Workington was kind enough to uh, find us some monies for uh, uh, for some disabled, some infrastructure to, uh, um, I guess, make the pool more accessible for persons with disabilities. And that was, uh, uh, how much was that for again? 17,000. And how much will that pool, uh, this is basically a pool lift, right? Okay, and how much? So that covers how much of that? That covers what was it? Okay, but anyhow, that project is going ahead. I take it. Yes. Great. Uh, that was good news, and um, I don't think we need to speak to the improvements in Beaver Lodge or height. Or Claremont and or Grand Prairie, and Stars thanked us for making a contribution. Is that right? Great. Okay, so does someone want to make an omnibus motion to accept items 11.1 .1 through to 11.11 .11 inclusive? Okay, great. Thank you, Councillor Ford. All in favor of Councillor Ford's motion? Are there any notices of motion, Ms. Bench? No, there are not. Great. So that takes us to in camera, but before we uh, go in camera, we'll deal with key communication items. So uh, we'll leave it up to the press. So you've been in here for, what, five hours now? <laughs> Were you able to stay awake for the entire time? Absolutely. Okay. So what's your number one item? And we'll see if you concur with our communications officer. Surrounding municipalities are very, uh, maybe cautious is the best word. They, they like to consider what happens in those subcommittees as in-camera items. But, uh, yeah, I think maybe if you talk to Tannen and at the 27th or so, probably. And maybe, maybe you guys could even come up with a kind of a community, yeah, joint statement, just keep people aware and everybody's on the same page and you don't come to the next meeting saying well we don't appreciate it you telling people okay anything else so the arena so that was the most interesting item which you we we're not gonna 
We're going to put an embargo on that. We need to do third reading, and I guess that's all that's going to be. Uh, I think we're ready to pass it. It's just a matter of, uh, well, Councillor, and you can talk to Councillor Ford. He can be the spokesperson on this about uh, just somebody gets a new car, you know, when, when, do, when does it have to be inspected, particularly for the non-warranty items, so. Yeah, well, that that change one way or another, or they might decide not to change it, but one way or another they'll f figure that out and bring it to the next the next meeting. Uh, well, well, certainly by September eighth they'll bring it. But it, but then having said that, the effective date for that bylaw will be January first, twenty sixteen. Yeah. Don't they have the decals on the yeah, side? The decals, or? Are on, the decals are on already. Yeah. Part of the existing bylaw. But yeah, I, I guess the increase in the licensing fees will be part of that. And the fingerprinting on the criminal record. There's quite a bit. There is quite a, quite a significant change in the Yeah, I, so I guess that's part of the big change is the vulnerable sector check. It wasn't that detailed last time around. So that's what, uh, probably our big step forward in trying to ins uh, give the public a sense that they that it's a safe mode of transportation. Well, I was actually going to suggest that our communication officer take the uh, take the PowerPoint, and maybe what we should do is a uh, basically a, a voiceover on it, and because well, nobody from the public attend like we had a uh, public attend the meeting. I thought they were here for the tax assessment uh, uh, information, but every year. Somebody's going to complain about their taxes and how the tax assessment process is. I'm wondering if we should kind of package what he said here, maybe even hire a professional person to do a voiceover on the slides and put that on the website and say, you know, if you, this is how the tax assessment process works. Well, you have the podcast here, so you can use that as the start of a transcript. So. Well, I think you have the copies of the presentation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So the Masonic Lodge is not finished yet. Like, it's not passed yet. It's still it has to be passed with the bylaws because it's an heritage property. So it's not a municipal heritage property just yet. All we've got to say that we're going to look at it again. So why do we need a hearing to make a, something? A, I thought, is, it's are the people, process. Are people going to complain <laughs> that? 
yeah, never know. somebody's <laughs> volunteered their building to be a historic site? Okay. How about the downtown revitalization grant for beautification? And beautification. Beautification. Who wants to take that on? You or me? Okay, well, uh, yeah, if, if you got questions about that, I want to make a story out of that. Well, either one of us, I guess if you can't get a hold of me, you can phone Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a contract being awarded to put in backup uh, uh, electrical generator, and uh, it actually came in above 491,000. It came in at 500 and something. Uh, Transport Canada is not going to put out more. Well. Transport Canada isn't going to put out more than something like four hundred and fifty thousand, I guess. No, it's it's more than that. It's. Uh, but, but they already they already deleted deleted a number of items on that, on that project. Uh, but we were still short fifty thousand dollars. So, uh, there's another airport project, i.e., the roofing project which came in under budget, so we're going to transfer the shortfall. Uh, we're going to transfer $50,000 from that roofing project uh, because it came in under budget to this, uh, this backup generator. So the total, total amount uh, that we're going to tender for was $491,617.30. Not exceeding that. Okay. The, the other item that comes to mind, uh, if we're talking general communications, and I, 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 I'm not sure this, the timing of this is just right, but when we established $10,361,073 for a target for budget parameters, that's a significant signal to the taxpayers of Peace River as to what we're going to do next year. So, you know, we're saying if your assessment goes up, your assessment goes down, we're going to run the town with that same amount of money. And your taxes are not going up. Uh, what we collected for out of your genes this year is going to be the same. Uh, so I, I think that's an important message. But, uh, I, don't, but I don't think that's necessarily – that's the initial parameter that we've given to administration to bring back to see what the budget looks like. Right. Based on that, but not a guarantee that we can actually accommodate right. that. Yeah. Well, that, that was the preference of my comment about – I don't know if my timing is right, but – but that's the total amount, Colin. It's not individuals can't say my taxes won't change, right? Well, With the well, uh, yeah. Well, no. Well, what we're, you know, uh, if the assessments go down, the tax rate will go up, but the individual may not pay more taxes if their right. 
assessment, assessment goes down. Right. And, and then I guess the other part of that announcement, I mean, see, seeing that taxation seems to be a topical item, I mean, we, we are not responsible. So the assessment question gets answered, and then the education portion in the North Peace Housing. So, again, if we were to develop something around the parameters that council established, you know, we're speaking about the municipal portion, and, and this is what our goal is, and I agree with what you said, but if you want to communicate that early on that we're already thinking about this, and then also mention that, you know, other requisitioning bodies, education and North Peace Housing, we don't control those. But we've already beginning, we as a council are beginning to think about 2016. Uh, we've had two years of increase, um, so we're hopeful that in year three things will, I'll, I'll use the word stabilize. Uh, I don't so. know if we should go ahead and say that because you've already publicly indicated that we would be seeing a half a million increase in 2016 to offset the rec levy. So I don't know if we want to go and put the expectation out that we're not going to be looking at an increase. So well. these parameters are for administration to go back and build a budget. Oh, I, oh, I know what you they may are. not <laughs> like what that budget looks like. No, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's just direction to administration. I think we should leave it at that. You know, we, we we can talk about this sends a message to the public what we're doing in terms of taxation. You know, we gave out lots of messages this year about the increase that people should be expected. I think the Record Gazette did a great job of, of putting it out there and putting it in the paper. And when it happened, it was like, it was a big surprise. So uh, I, I, I don't. You can tell people twelve months beforehand what's happening. I don't think that they'll listen until they get their little tax slip in the in the mail. basically gives us a starting point what we're shooting for and then we'll then bring we it back to you and what's that then we find out how doable it is yeah yeah exactly okay anything else worth talking about <laughs> you know i'm at that the perfect easy. temperature but <laughs> but anna said she's freezing here yeah. but it wasn't wasn't there an article in the paper that uh, said something about uh, temperatures in the workplace and uh, it's the guys that said it and they're comfortable yeah. and the women are freezing or something? Why don't you come to our <laughs> office in the middle of summer when it's 30 degrees and our three secretaries are all running heaters under their desk? I run heater under my desk. Yes. And that's what the air conditioning does. The air conditioning. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're we're relying relying on Anna and Tannen and keeps you awake. Renee. I'm comfortable. Comfortable. Can't fall asleep when you're shivering. So, do you concur with those items, Mr. Dietrich? 
Yeah. You got that out on Twitter already? Uh, oh, it has been exciting. Um, number three would be just confirming the CAO. Um, I know it's already been announced, but just to inform the public that the process has gone through the way it's supposed to. Also, the ski hill. Uh, Misery Mountain was, when I moved here, a draw. I didn't know there was a ski hill until I drove down the hill and was really disappointed that it wasn't open in 2014. So I'm excited about that. Uh, it snowed? In February when I arrived, there was a lot of snow on the ground. There was no lift running. Yeah, though. he was in Hawaii. Oh. So, oh okay. <laughs> it didn't snow there. No, no, it might have rained. Well, they don't have a ski on White Court, and you still move there. so they, uh, They're supposed to have one this year. <laughs> no, they found a small hill in the middle of the town. They got the county to help front the cash. Sorry? There's a second hill to the left that nobody ever sees because they just fly right through the highway part. <laughs> um, I did put budget direction on my list only because... Um, I think it's a good idea to keep the public updated on the budget process as it unfolds uh, because it is a new process for the town. Uh, it's the first time you guys are doing a budget that's more than a year. It's also, the fir to my knowledge, the first time that we're going to, uh, oh, what's it called now, zero-based budgeting. And I just think that those decisions show a certain degree of financial prudence, um, especially considering some of the comments we've been receiving. What, what can I say? I'm a man ahead of my time. So. I cautious, wouldn't. Cautious. I would be Stand very up. cautious and not make any guarantees or statements about people's taxes. Stuff, so but then, but then at least three months later, when people get upset about it, we can say, "But we did say earlier on that this process was happening." Okay. But I don't know. I discuss it. Uh, I guess more thoroughly a bit later, but. Right. Uh, maybe s just some basic information on what zero-based budgeting even means, because I had to Google that. <laughs> uh -huh. I'd never heard it before, but it sounds, yeah. Justify every paper clip you use. Basically, yeah. I'm really excited for that part of my August. Um, <laughs> and the taxi bylaw, yep, that's a good one to update people on, uh, especially, yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? The public hearings, we should make sure people are aware of that just because, and KCL I put at the bottom of my list just because uh, the tax season, the assessment, uh, what's it called, contesting, the contesting your, appeal. that's it, the appeal deadline is passed, okay. so um, I'm also, I, I don't know, I think that we just don't want to jump into the property assessment muck anymore, we're through that, let's just kind of it's maybe not a bad idea to direct people to the KCL presentation somewhere on our site or something like that, but um, take your suggestion and sort of start preparing something for next year to put out ahead of time so that people aren't – maybe sort of around the time when some of the assessors might be in town or – actually, no, I guess it's fall. So he will come whenever. He can come whenever? Yeah. Okay, so then, yeah, maybe late winter, early spring kind of 2016, have something ready for that because – 
Great. Then we can hopefully avoid some of the fiasco. And that was all I had. It was a busy council Great. meeting. Great. Okay. Thanks. We'll, uh, we'll recess for five minutes, so. and then we'll go in camera.